Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 400. Hopefully you guys have had an amazing weekend. I sure have a late start tonight, but sometimes it's hard to get uh, things scheduled around the world. I am super, super grateful for the opportunity to talk to Tricomb Jungle. How you doing tonight? You want to tell us how you're doing? And of course, where we can find you if we're looking. Yeah, nice one for having me on the show. Um, yeah. Um, Tricom yeah, try, try come Jungle Seeds on Instagram. Um, that's that's where I spend a lot of my time and do a lot of my posts nowadays. Yeah. Can you hear me, Tricone Jungle? Yeah, now I can hear you, yeah. Okay, I lost you there for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, so, did you hear me introduce you? I, I lost you right after I kind of introduced things. Were, were you able to hear me when I introduced you? No, no, I missed that bit then. Sorry about that. Hopefully they heard me out there. Uh, basically, I would... I, uh, ask you to tell us how you're doing and of course where they can find you uh sorry about the the glitch first off <laughs> yeah so basically uh, um instagram is uh where i spend a lot of time and do a lot of my posts nowadays um yeah that's that's my main place basically I appreciate you taking the time to come out and hang out tonight. That's for sure. So what are no. you smoking on? Did you bring something to, to smoke on? Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm just smoking some East Coast Sour Diesel, the original clone. Um, one of my friends sent me some of this. Um, and um, some Tropical Rose. That's my next spliff that I'm going to be lighting up. And that's grown by a, a good friend of mine from some of my genetics. So yeah, enjoying those two. It's, it's nice to actually smoke some sour diesel. Um, I haven't had the original one for, for quite some time. Oh, sour D is always delicious, always delicious. I am uh, getting ready to roll up a little bit of Twisted TK and a little bit of uh, Jelly Bean from uh, okay. the original TGA era kind of seeds there. Really good. Yeah, Jilly Bean. I love the Jilly Bean. Um, Sub Cool, when we were back on Breed Bay, another great guy who just taught taught a lot of us so much. He was just so open about sharing information and stuff like that. Really cool guy. Um, but yeah, um, what else did you say? The TK, Triangle Kush? Uh, Twisted TK, that's uh, bred by Deep Southern Genetics, and that is the TJ by times uh, his twisted manja was which is okay. kind of one of his house strains really yeah good, I've, really worked, I've, 
Yeah, the TK. I've worked for the TK, but only in crosses. So I use the um, the SFV times TK and the Tahoe times TK, both from Canarado. Um, did a selection from those seeds. Some yeah, amazing stuff came out then. Yeah, it's a strong one. It seems to be uh, something that's you know being passed around quite a bit lately. So are you here about? So let's let's get to know let's get to know a little bit about trichome druggle seeds up here. Uh, when exactly uh, did cannabis enter your life? How did how did it enter your journey? Well, my first experience with cannabis was I was quite young, probably about fourteen, smoking um, tobacco mixed with hashish, uh, probably a, a Moroccan type. Um, there was some like. Lebanese hash around at the time um so yeah it was a, a mix of tobacco and hash um that's how I started um actually flowers came much later on um and when they did it was um more of a tie stick type of thing or a compressed um carib Caribbean or African type of um, uh, flower, but very compressed, almost to the point where it's like a compressed brick um, and you could literally cut through it with a knife. Um, very seeded. Um, Sensimelian like um, unseeded flower um, and things like skunk came much later into my life. Um, so yeah, it was more of the import stuff that I was brought up on. It always blows my mind that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of in the reverse over there with us and you guys, you guys kind of had the hash first, we had flour and now we're going towards more towards the extract slash hash and you guys coming more into the flour over there. It's, and so it's a weird kind of. Yeah, I think I think because in America you 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 had the opportunity to um, plant the seeds, so you had a lot of seeds coming back from maybe the hippies from their travels, also from Mexico and South America, and you've got the climate that you can literally put the seeds in the ground in a lot of places in America, whereas um, in the UK uh, that wasn't an option for us. Um, we didn't have the climate. Um, I remember starting some Thai seeds and they never even finished. So, um, yeah, I think it was more to do with climate and being able to grow those genetics out. It also uh, kind of throws me off the mix of uh, tobacco with, with the hash as well. Is that kind of just a way to, was a kind of way to make it burn or stretch it out? or just another way to uh, kind of add to the effects a little bit. Yeah, the, the, the tobacco, like now I've stopped smoking tobacco. Um, now and again, if, if, I, if, I, um, if I'm with friends, I'll smoke um, um, some hash and tobacco mixed. Um, but it's not something that I smoke very often now because I've come away from the tobacco. 
but um, the, the effects of the tobacco mixed with the hash is definitely different to smoking it by itself. Um, I think a lot of the, the tobacco smoking came from the original cultures. A lot of these cultures would mix tobacco with the hash. Um, and then with people in the UK smoking a lot of tobacco in general, they would just mix that little bit of hash with the tobacco. Um, yeah, and it would burn um relatively well mixed with the tobacco um the only other option would be smoking it out of a, a pipe or a bong which i found um wasn't super popular people liked to smoke a joint it was something that they could pass around maybe at a party or things like this yeah definitely a lot easier transport that's for sure <laughs> Light yeah. up and pass. You don't have to worry about breaking that paper, hauling it around. That's it. Chillum, the chillum, like when we were in India, uh, we were smoking a lot of chillums. Um, and that is like more of a sort of ceremonial way of smoking, and you actually pass it around. Do you know what I mean? Um, but then, even with the chillums, a lot of people will do like a tobacco mix with the hashish and put into the chillum. But I actually prefer it with just hash if I'm smoking a chillum. That's one thing that I think that's uh, very key in the cannabis experience is the passing. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on that, especially with the you know, now times where people are like rolling their own, which, you know, I get it, but I think it's such, you know, such a waste you know you go out to an event you get six people standing around you roll six good joints it's, it's almost a quarter <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean a quarter ounce of weed for one yeah. sesh for everybody to smoke their own and that same sesh could be done with one you know what i mean possibly two you know why why waste twice as much it, it's but in it and it it to me it, it takes away from that experience of just you know sharing the moment Taking that hit, this is good, you know, passing bread type thing. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the whole passing thing? Are you for it, or do you think it adds? Or, See, nowadays I, we don't tend to sh share spliffs so much. Like, it's like when we were younger, it was more of a pass around, share type thing. Um, but nowadays, everyone just tends to make their own spliffs. I'll pass them the jar. I'll be like, yeah, make a spliff. So. Um, everyone does tend to smoke their own. Um, now and again, if it's something different that someone's just harvested and they've just made a split, they might pass it and say, try that. But yeah, other than that, we tend to roll our own joints. I think each person sort of enjoys how they make it themselves almost, yeah. I can, I can understand that a bit, but I still think that it takes away. So is everybody smoking their own? So is it like, you know, a bunch of different kinds? Or are we at least, you know, breaking off some buds? You know, here, here, try this. You know what I mean? Roll your own of this. Oh, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's always sharing and, and passing out things to try. So if I go to my friend's house or they come here we've always got some different bits to smoke yeah um at the moment we're smoking a lot of the uh lilt crosses 
So um, I did across the lilt with a lot of my uh, mother plants um, from my library. And the results, we're smoking a lot of them at the moment. Um, lilt crossed with a hundred hand slap, which is the tropical rose. And lilt with the soulmate, soulmate from Bodhi. Um, so that's the tropical soul. That's a really, really nice one. Um, been smoking a few of um, my friend's hybrids that he's been making. One of them, Nos, uh, using the Hell's Fuel, which is one of my lines, uh, which um, he selected a plant from, and use another male to make the Nos. But yeah, so I've got a few different things. Um, just my icon at the moment, all smelling beautiful. Yeah. Sounds delicious, sounds delicious, man. You have some fire looking strains if you look down on the page. So when did uh when did it go from you know necessarily uh smoking, trying a little bit of hash, tobacco? When did it kind of come into you know uh when did growing come into the the whole scene? Uh basically uh, after trying some of the like land racy type things, imports that were coming over, we'd find seeds in them and we'd, I, I just had the natural thing to start popping some of the seeds and they would germinate and they'd stretch up on the windowsill and die and it was just like, okay. And then one time I decided to grow some outside and they actually grew, but they never finished flowering because we our season is just so short um then um i got a, a light um and decided to try and grow a plant under a light and this was still at a time where we hadn't figured out the whole when it goes to 12 12 is is when it starts to flower so it was literally just a plant vegging up vegging up vegging up um and then eventually uh, I found a book and I figured out, okay, you change the lights to 12 hours on, 12 hours off, and the plant starts to flower. As soon as I figured that out um, and seen it actually working, um, so I started um, flowering a plant and seeing that it started making the pistols on it. And at that point, I was like, right, I'm buying some seeds. I got a packet of Hindu Kush and a 250 HPS light and went to work. Um, and that was probably how old, maybe like 19, maybe 20, something around that sort of age. Um, and then from there, I, I never really stopped. Um, the breeding came much later. So after a few years of collecting different genetics and things like this, um, I found some seeds in, in, a, in a nice uh, haze plant in Holland and I spoke to the guy in the coffee shop and he was like, oh yes, it's a haze crossed with a Santa Maria male. So I was like, okay, okay, that's interesting. So I took the seeds home and I popped them and found a male and I crossed that with a nap plant and uh, that was, was my first um, proper hybrid um and then from there i i carried on breeding and doing this and then later on 
um, started Tricum Jungle Seeds around 2008. So, and that was at the time when a lot of us were on Breed Bay, um, a forum back in the day. So, Subcool was on there, uh, Dynasty, Professor P, uh, Bodie, Sonic. Um, there was like a really good crowd of us, Texas Kid. Um, yeah, loads of us anyway. So, it was a, a cool little community. And everybody just was just very open to share information and show what they were doing. And it was, uh, yeah, just a good place for people to come and learn. What a beautiful chance to get a coffee shop, get some seeds like that. I remember back in the day when I was getting some early on here in the early phases when you could get some from the provisioning centers. Uh, and it was still caregiver grown and you could probably still get a chance to get a seed here and there. Anytime I got one, I would go back in there and be like, oh man, I, I got some seeds out of that. And they always took it as a complaint, you know, and, and more of a heads up than a complaint and a thank you. You know, they, they were like, oh, you know, that sucks. And I was always like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> thank you. I labeled and put it aside. You know what I mean? You know, I always looked at those as, you know, nice little opportunities, not necessarily a, a bad thing. So, and it seemed to work out well for you. Uh, what a golden opportunity it seems like. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, and you got to taste the flower that you, you found the seeds from. So normally when, if you were to buy a packet of seeds, you just be reading what's on the packet. Whereas, the flower that I was smoking was a really beautiful flower and finding seeds in it. I was like, okay, we, I've actually found seeds and something that I actually like the taste of. So yeah, it was like a double bonus. That's it. So what was the first grow? I mean, you told us, you know, a little bit of light there, but I mean, what was that uh, like medium? Like how many plants was, uh, uh, the first it. time growing, yeah, the first time growing um, was basically, like, like I said, the Hindu Kush. But it was literally a couple of seeds I started, uh, ended up with one female under the light and was feeding really basic stuff, basically a little bit of chicken shit, um, some uh, wood ash and paper ash for the potassium um and stuff like this and that's basically was just like a very simple grow where i was making everything myself at that time there was no hydro shops or a shop that i could go to i could go to a garden center and buy some miracle grow but that wasn't really an option that i wanted to do i was when i was reading the book in the book it told you that you could get certain nutrients from certain types of different um options one of them was chicken poo um, wood ash things like this so I, I went down that route rather than buying some miracle grow or something like this good choice good choice you sound like you're taking taking the right path right from the beginning there. yeah later so on I, I think I, I bought some after reading a little bit more um, about um, growing cannabis and that I ended up buying some uh, I found a product in Holland, uh, Guna Cologne, 
and I was using that for teas and things like this for a little bit. Um, but yeah, later on, I, I moved over to like a, a bottled feed, um, which was a bio biz. And I used that for many years. Um, so yeah. Um, and soil was always my preferred way of growing. Um, I've grown many other ways since then. So after coming to Spain, I started growing in cocoa a lot more. Um, I've done a little bit of deep water culture, um, but now I'm totally back on the other end, organic, making my own ferments and teas. Um, and yeah, basically uh, just at the moment using like a super soil mix, um, but still feeding them like net, stinging nettle tea. Um, and um, I'll be moving on to some other teas later on and ferments. So uh, it's kind of like back up, work our way through this a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I asked this, I asked this of all, all my guests that have uh, been growing for a while. Did, did you notice anything change as you, when you started to cultivate the plant? on how you felt or actually, you know, the effects, you know, from, I, I, I don't want to say that. I must stop right there. You, did you notice anything different when uh, you started growing the plant about the way you felt about, you know, cannabis or the plant in general? Um, say that last bit again. Sorry, mate. Uh, about uh, did you did you notice anything different about the way you felt about the plant or cannabis in general? When well, you after growing, growing. oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I I just instantly once I started um, learning more about the plant and actually growing, like my whole view of cannabis totally changed. Um, and because before it was just something that we did recreationally. And then I've found this plant that was teaching me every single day something new um, about growing. And then later on about electronics, electrics, wiring things, photography, all the stuff that I've learned from the plant. Um, it's always been teaching me from that point, even to the point where I was feeding the plant better than I was feeding myself. And I started to look at, whoa, hang on what am I actually eating? I'm giving the plant all its perfect nutrition to make sure it's healthy, but I'm not doing this to myself. And so, yeah, growing the plant taught me to start looking after myself more as well. Um, and start giving myself what I actually need nutritionally and things like this. Um, so, yeah, definitely made me look at everything differently. Yeah. I, you know, that is a, uh, such a common answer. And, I, you know, I think that's one of the, the reason I ask is because I really believe that's one of the most beneficial parts of cannabis, to be honest with you. And I, that's one of the biggest reasons I encourage growing the plant is because that's, for me and a lot of other people, that's when I, I noticed the change, too. As medical cannabis came here, you know, I started growing before it was medical. But as it became medical, it deepened it for me. I noticed that change too, but uh, that is most definitely the most beneficial and therapeutic parts of the plant. I mean, yes, 
we there is a medical benefit to using the plant, you know, in different ways. But there's so much more from actually growing it. Like you said, you know, gaining of intelligence, the overall good feeling. And, uh, you know, I think it, it it brings much more goodness out of the plant than we ever thought it would. So I, I think that's huge, you know, the cultivation side of cannabis. I think that's the more beneficial side of it all. Yeah, I mean, the smoking and the using of it is good but man the growing side of it i think is equal to the, the consumption to be honest with you. yeah i think i think just humans in general especially in the western world um have lost their connection to a lot of things um and i think cannabis actually gives it back to us especially when we're growing it um and it helps us connect back to nature, farming, growing stuff, nutrition, all of these things that we, we're missing out on um, that would have been just normal everyday knowledge back in back at one time. Everybody would know how to grow something. Everyone would, want, would know what they should be eating. Um, so, yeah, I think um, definitely helps us connect back to that type, uh, that side of us. With that being said, uh, how does it uh, does it affect? How does does your personal uh, taste come into play? A, a lot of to play when you put together strings. Is it you know basically your taste, and then you're hoping everybody else will like it, or do you kind of are you feeling out the general crowd and trying to match what might be good? No, I, f- I find I think. Um... When something's, you know, has an amazing turp to it, it has an amazing turp. Um, you might have a small percentage of people that actually don't like it, but I think, you know, everyone knows, everyone likes strawberries, we'll say, for instance, if someone likes something sweet, strawberries, there might be a few people that don't like them, but the majority will find something like that quite sweet and tasty. So I think it's the same with our, with our taste buds um, and our smell. Um, so I tend to pick things that are quite pleasant on the, on the nose, um, for my selections, like things like the lilt, the mandarina, and that pineapple orange, tropical type things, um, tend to really stand out, especially in extract. Um, and then... I also like the sort of like gassy things, like the sour diesel things. I've done like a lot of lines that have that gas type stuff. Um, the cherry spice is on the like cookie side. Um, some more like cherry, uh, cherry, yeah, cherry. The cherry spice um, is on that like cherry cookie, uh, cherry pie side of things. Um, so I have all different lines, and it depends which one. Um, yeah, they all have their own sort of uh, special tip. But I try to pick a lot of different things so everyone is happy. So someone, everyone can pick something that they'll like from, from my seeds. Um, my library is very varied. So you could look at each one of my mother plants and 
each is very unique for its terpene profile. It's kind of hard to do with a, a full menu like that to get a, a unique terpene profile for each individual strain and cultivar. Uh, and you've got in a pretty impressive menu from what I've looked at. But we're getting we're we're we're, we're, we're rushing, rushing. We'll work to the menu. We're through the menu. <laughs> um uh so what I mean when you started your breeding there uh was how did you progress? I mean the first time was you know you got the seeds from from that bud there in Amsterdam, but uh, I mean how did you move forward after that? I mean, how was the next oh, basically. Uh, screen introduced? Yeah, um, like after that, I just gave a lot of the seeds out um, just to see the results, see what people thought of it. Um, and then later on, I used the, um, I worked the, that line, I made it into an F2 line from the F1. So I did brothers and sisters from, from that line, that first line and crossed them together. So start almost working like an inbred line, but you call it the F1 generation, then you go to the F2 generation. So, and then at that time, I'd been given some seeds by Sonic Seeds, and I'd done a selection from those seeds um, and found a male in them as well. And that male I used on a few of my clones that I had at the time. Um, and then from that, I just just growing out those seeds, seeing the different results from those seeds, and then later on figuring out which lines I would like to continue working with. So it was just, it was, it was a slow progression um, of growing things out, but like the forums really helped to be, to be able to give those seeds out to people um, and see the results that other people had and get their feedback. Um, and once, I started getting good feedback from people. Um, we we had like the option to um, sell the seeds on like a seed auction type thing. You could have like a buy now price, so they didn't have to go into the auction, uh, or you could put them up into the auction bit. So I put a few of my packet uh, seeds on there um, after people started to um, inquire about them, um, and that was the the first time that I actually started to sell sort of seeds through the Breedway auction. Um, and later on, um, through other seed sellers, like people like Attitude and things like this. But that came much later. So for many years, it was literally just growing them out and passing them out to friends and people on the forums. I would think that the forums were have to be the backbone of a, you know something like that for back then i mean i i don't know i don't live over there but i i would think even now things aren't as open as they are here to where you just like here here's free seeds you want to grow some of the test things yeah i would think that you were kind of you know limited to the you know the friends and the people that you trusted in the forums to you know get the gear tested and you know get the word out there and back in the day it was, you know, how hard it would it be? How hard was it to get kick off the seed thing over there? Uh, yeah, 
I think I think it's it could it, it'd be much quicker nowadays with how it works nowadays. But like it was it was just more of a. Do you know what? I didn't even think it, I was going to start a seed, a seed company at first. It was literally just doing something that I really enjoyed doing. And then the idea of a seed company wasn't a seed company. It was just to have a name behind it. Um, I, I couldn't have even imagined at the time that it would progress to where it is now. So, um, yeah, it was more of literally just doing something that I really enjoyed and just uh, doing some pollen chucking and seeing the results and it was more about just the fun and pleasure out of it um but yeah well shout out to you brother for you know putting forth the effort making it happen because you know like i said the more people that we can get growing you know it just well the more people we can get healthier we can get more people into the community and discovering all the great things that cannabis has to offer but uh you know overall it it helps it helps i'm you know congratulations for getting the seed company out there i mean it's and thank you for because we can't we can't grow without seeds well we can but it's harder to get clones it's easier to pass some seeds especially around the world i mean how do you feel about seeing your strains pop up around the world? That's got to be a pretty humbling feeling, all. So. No, that that that's like part of like that's what. Yeah, it's such a nice feeling. It keeps me doing what I do in it, just to see um, the work be appreciated by people like all around the world in it. Um, so yeah, that's a an amazing feeling to to have. Um, but I appreciate everybody that buys my seeds and like every bit of support that anyone gives my company. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it from everybody. Um, but yeah, it's such a nice feeling. So what was the name of uh, number two? What would, did you name one and two? Or were they just, you know, this is what they are. Are they still available to this day? I mean, do you keep some for, you know, have seeds for personal? Reason. Yeah, so the, the, the first crosses, it was, uh, I named it Mantis in the end. Um, so it was Mantis F1 and Mantis F2. Um, I made the F3 generation as well. Um, I made a few different Mantis crosses that have been available. Um, so, yeah, people um, have grown them out, but they're not lines that I work with too much nowadays. Um, the library I use nowadays has changed quite a lot. Um, from what I was using back in the day. The only thing that I kept from really from the original stock that I have is um, the Bubba Kush, the pre-98 Bubba Kush clone that I got hold of at the time. Um, that's the only thing from back then. Everything else is pretty much within the last eight years. So anything from the old school days, I've pretty much stopped using. Well, you have to progress, you have to progress. And we're speaking of progresses, uh, so how did things roll from there? I mean, how did the setup change? What did uh, come into play for, you know, some of the up and coming strains you created? Yeah, um, well, 
since I came to Spain, I, I, I got to grow out a lot of stuff outdoors. So that changed a lot of things for me, um, the selection process. I'd grown outdoors in the UK, but it was always the plants that you could select for there was very different. Um, here you could grow out anything that you wanted outdoors. Um, and we've got quite a long growing season. So you could even grow out like the more like purer types of sativa hazes as well. Um, so yeah, and the testing of my plants to see what they could handle outside. Um, that became a big part of my, uh, my breeding as well. So selecting the strongest plants that were resistant to um, different uh, pathogens, different molds, mildews, resistant to bugs, um so yeah um that that definitely changed my um my style um but my breeding i think has always been about flavor um but now the variety of flavors that i have in my uh, seeds i think that's opened up very a much wider area now um so yeah super excited to hear that uh, you're doing some breeding outdoors uh is that true today i do concentrate more on breeding outdoors or is it like a 50 50 you have some indoors some outdoors yeah both really um but i try and um grow all my plants indoors and out and test everything indoors and out um Sometimes it's not always the option to test both in and out, depending on the time of year. Um, but yeah, um, growing all my mothers, all my mother plants have been grown indoors and outdoors um, and all been tested. So I know what each plant can do in different situations. Um, it's just, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing that to do, um, especially from a breeding point of view. Um, because when you're growing plants indoors all the time, it, you really don't get to see the true representation of the plant. When you grow all your plants outdoors um, under the sun, you really get to see them to, for their, to their full potential as well. So have you bred, I'm curious about this, have you bred the same strain both indoors and outdoors? And have you noticed uh, a difference, you know, from that stack with pot? Um, yeah, no, no, no real difference. Um, but then I'm using the same mothers and fathers. But then if I start doing a selection outdoors, um, that could change things if I did compare to a selection indoors. Um, but yeah. On the actual seed stock, do I notice anything different? Um, Not necessarily in the stock, but, you know, the offspring. So say you take the seeds that, you know, were produced outdoor and the seeds that were produced indoor and, you know, you pop 50 and 50 or, you know, whatever. Have you seen, you know, a difference from the ones that were popped? You know, maybe phenols, different phenols that are coming from outdoor produced beans versus the ones that were produced indoors. No, no, no. Um, I'm not seeing any uh, 
genetic variation from uh, outdoors compared to indoor seeds produced. Um, because we've got we've got quite a similar environment in and out here. That's what I try and keep it at anyway. So the temperatures outside, maybe it gets a little bit warmer outside um, when we hit those hot spots. Um, but then we have good airflow outside. Um, so the plants, they still even enjoy those hot days. I think some of my selections would be for plants that can tolerate heat a little bit more as well. That's one thing I think I was discussing with one of my friends from the UK. Whereas maybe when I was in the UK, I would have selected plants that could handle those cold spells a little bit more. You know, that that's another reason too why I'm hoping that what they say breeding outdoors is, you know, I honestly think that with a lot of breeding, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but I honestly think if we keep breeding indoors, 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 we're gonna kind of weaken the plant for you know outdoor runs myself any any thoughts on that that's why i was so excited yeah. to hear that you're actually producing you know some strains outdoors 100 percent, yeah so what people have started to do is take a lot of um hybrid seeds over to morocco because they want to grow feminized seeds over there but since they've done this so they would they they had um Plants probably came from places like Lebanon, Pakistan and that originally. And they grew them in Morocco. And then these plants acclimatized to that, to the, to the surroundings. The farmers selected those plants over time and they had harvests of hashish and they never got mold. Yeah, they never had mildew, nothing. Once they started to grow the hybrid seeds that were grown indoors, made indoors, Maybe even made outdoors as well, but hybrid seeds in general, isn't it? Um, but a lot of them made indoors. Grown out in Morocco, uh, everything just started getting covered in powdery mildew, like crazy amounts of powdery mildew. So my friends were telling me, like, the farmers over there thought it was like more resin on the plants to start off with. So that's like they, they didn't have the education about powdery mildew because it was never affected their cannabis plants before. But since they started growing the hybrid indoor seeds outside, things were getting destroyed by powdery mildew, molds, probably, and I imagine bugs as well. That would be another thing that um, they wouldn't have built a, a resilience to, just because indoors is a much cleaner environment, so you don't have the opportunity to do those tests. So uh, Intro Centinelia in chat was wanting to know about uh, seed size from indoor to outdoor. You want to speak on that? Seed size? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, yeah, I think outdoors you can get a fatter seed. Um, but if your plants are super nice and healthy indoors, I, I can get just as big as seeds indoors as well. So it all depends on the genetics. I have certain genetics that produce fatter seeds in general compared to other ones. Um, and it's same outside, when you grow them outside, the same difference is, is seen outside. Some plants will make 
fatter seeds and other seeds. But generally, um, the seeds produced outdoors are always much nicer looking, uh, fatter, um, just in general. Um, yeah. So let's let's back up to you know beginning workings of trichomes. So as you go, you're going through. What was number three? What was the third? What was the third one? Or the third one? What the my, that I produced. So the, it was I I used a pinamite shiva male, and I crossed that to a few different things. Subcord um, let us use his jets cleaner. So we'd been growing his jacks cleaner for a bit. So I pollinated that with the pinamite shiva. I pollinated the agent orange, um, the cheese, UK cheese, which was a clone that was going around at the time. Um, what else was there? My mantis. Um, oh, I can't even remember right off the top of my head, but there was a few. I pollinated a lot of my mother's because. I only wanted to pollinate a small amount of the crop, but I over-pollinated everything and made far too many seeds, more than I wanted, um, because I wanted the crop for more for flour to smoke. Um, but those seeds then, that was like one batch of seeds I started testing. And from them, I released the ones that I thought were the best. Um, but it was only meant to be a small batch. So... Um, that was like, that was my, I'd say, second, third um, uh, breeding project. Um, and then later on, I used a male from DNA. They given me some seeds, which were sour diesel crossed with LA Confidential. And I'd selected a male from them and pollinated a couple, two or three things which made, uh, what were the ones I did? The crowberry, which was a, um, a very dark sort of purple strain, but had a very, very like sweet sort of taste. Um, I can't remember the cross exactly now off the top of my head, but I think it was a Urkel blackberry or something like this. Um, but yeah, um, beautiful line. Uh, I crossed that with a, the DNA male, um, I also did, um, what else was it? Um, that with the mantis. And then I also did the mantis uh, male on a few things. So I was working quite a few different, I worked through quite a few different things um, after that first one and the second one. Um, and then once I made those seeds, it was just more about testing those seeds out and seeing which ones I preferred. And the same again, every time, whichever were the best seeds, I'd release those seeds as a, as a batch. Um, and then I also did um, my mantis mail on a lot of things. And that was like the Bubba mantis. And I worked that one, made an F2 line. Um, Else. Oh, so many different things. I'd have to go back and have a look. It was so long ago. We're talking like 15 years ago. Yeah? <laughs> Cheers to that. And you know, I love the 
I love the fact that uh, some of the beginning works were heads of the Jags cleaner in there. In my opinion, uh, one of the strongest strains TGA put forth, you know, he always talks about Vortex being one of the strongest, but man, uh, that one in particular seemed not to have uh, a ceiling to it. Jack's Cleaner, you could just smoke and get high, smoke, 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 and just smoke yourself stupid, <laughs> basically. So I'm glad to hear, and he was a good friend of mine, so I'm glad to hear that uh, some of the beginnings were you know, kind of <clears throat> took off with that as a base. Cheers to that, yeah. my friend. What are your thoughts? I mean, how, what were some of the things you enjoyed about that one? No, Jack's Cleaner was was um, special. It was like we the I preferred the Jack the Ripper to be honest. That we had, we had a Jack the Ripper that we called the Limango Fino. It was like lemon, mangoey, but it had this like weird hazy notes to it. Um, what, what did one of my mates say it was like? Um, oh. I forgot now, but anyway, um, yeah, so the Jack's Cleaner, um, that was super strong, um, great plant to grow, um, but the Jack the Ripper for me was was a special one, like, okay. um, definitely. Vortex, you said, I got to grow that one out as well. Um, the hash from it was absolutely amazing. It was like, a, it came out like caramel almost, yeah. that was the colour. Um, so yeah, that was a special one. Um, many of, I was always impressed with so cool stuff at the beginning, yeah, like just the different range of terpenes that you would get from each plant. Um, just so unique compared to everything else at the time. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. I wish he would have got some of the more of the appreciation. Not that I'm not saying that, uh, you never gave none. You know what I mean? But man, it seems like, you know, a lot of it did like anything else after somebody passes, we kind of realize, you know, the effort that would put was put forth by a good individual there. And, uh, and again, I'm, I'm super glad that, uh, he had some influence and in trichome jungle, you know, way back in the day. So that's awesome. Yeah. I really, I love hearing, I love hearing the stories, you know what I mean? Because, there was a lot of drama towards, you know, the midway or whatever, but man, I think people really do do forget, you know, the influence he had in cannabis. And, and moreover, moreover, sir, uh, I don't want people to forget. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want people to forget the influence he had on a lot of us. Because right now, there's that's another thing. Right now, you know, there's so many new growers entering entering the whole canvas community in general. So, you know, as we move forward, you know, I don't want to forget a lot of the greats that helped get us here. So I'm super stoked that we were able to give a, give a nod to that. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he, he, he was doing a lot with Breed back at the time. He even came over to the UK. We got to meet him and stuff like that. Um, so he came over to the UK, and I think I met him in Amsterdam as well at the Cannabis Cup. So yeah, um, and he'd always he'd always have time for you online. Do you know what I mean? If you ever ask questions about breeding or anything like that. So yeah, 
cool guy. That's it. So, uh, more about Trichrome Jung. More about Trichrome Jung. So, uh, so what would what would you say uh, was the first one to kind of you know pop off? What was so what one of the first ones to really take hold for you? Mandarina. I think that's like probably one of my flagship strains. Um, it's quite well known in Spain and Europe and that. So Mandarina, Mandarina Kush um, became quite popular. Uh, later on, the Orange Soda, that one was another one that became very popular in Jungle Juice. Um, the Jungle Juice was a sour diesel cross and crossed with my Jungle Kush male. And then the orange soda was the same sour diesel crossed with my mandarina. Um, sour, both sour diesel reversed. So to make like a feminized line. Um, but before that, I'd always done regular seeds. I'd never really messed around with feminized. Um, so that was like my first feminized release um, in seed form. But before that, I'd always been regular seeds. Um, but Mandarina is definitely like a unique one. That was what I won my first cup with as well. So I entered the cup in Spain with the Mandarina hash and the Mandarina flower and won a first place for both. So I think that, um, I think helped get the strain noticed a little bit in Spain to start off with. Um, and anyone that makes hash with it, it got quite popular in Morocco. They started making hash with it in Morocco as well. So there was like batches of Moroccan hash coming over of mandarina, mandarina kush, orange soda. Um, and they have like a category in some of the cups, which will be like a, um, old school hash or like import hash type section. And uh, mandarina kush and uh, gingerbread, which is another mandarina cross, um, always placed in the cups and the orange soda did well at one of the cannabis cups that got second place as well so that was first place and second place with them but it's just because the those mandarina terpenes really um come through in the hash and the plants i think grown out in morocco again genetically i think they've just been able to handle a little bit of the stress they don't dry it in the best way so, you know, they're very rough with the way they do things. Um, at one point, they would dry the plants on rooftops, yeah, on, on hot roofs in the sun. So, and then make hash out of it. So, um, it's been changed. They do actually put it into like barns now in the dark um, and dry it in a slower manner. But I think just the mandarina just puts up with a lot of the stress. And the terpenes really still come through in the hash. So when you get the hash and you break it up, you can still, it just smells of like, like you're cutting up oranges almost. Man, I, I can imagine that the roof dried uh, bud produced just a, just a lot of hash. I can imagine uh, that shit just put you out. I, I can see that being through very quickly with the CBN there. Just being super potent as far as pouts like that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's amazing how 
tech as we learn tech changes. So, is you think uh, sometimes tech changes for a good way? Sometimes I think it's not necessarily always for a good way. Yeah, but definitely the mandarina is something that um, I'm going to be bringing back at some point. Um, because I haven't had seeds available of the mandarina for some quite some time. I've got some like mandarina crosses. So I've got the like the mandarina crossed with the lilt. Um, that's one line that's got the, the mandarina in it, and the mandarina with the soulmate, which was the tropical cocktail. Um, so but I've not had any pure mandarina seeds available for some time. So I think I'm probably going to work that line up eventually again but at the moment i'm bringing I'm just working on a, a new cherry spice line that's another line that i just haven't had available for some like it's got to be a couple of years now and people are always um asking about it so i'm working that line to bring back a new cherry spice at the moment um also working on a on a new lilt line a back cross lilt um and then once those two are um, done, they're going to be the next new releases. Um, I'm just testing out some new things at the moment. So I made the soulmate from Bodhi. I selected a male and a female. Um, the male was used to make the sacred selections, which is a, a list of like nine strains. Um, and what I've done now is used the female soulmate and reversed it to make the feminized seeds. So I'm just testing them out at the moment just to see what they all come out like. So I've done 13 new crosses, but from those 13, whichever are the best will be the ones that I eventually release. So yeah, just testing them at the moment and then Eventually, a little bit of stress testing, make sure that none of them harm too easy. And whichever ones can put up with the stress testing will be the ones that I'll release. I appreciate the fact that you actually do a lot of testing, man. There's so many, uh, so many people just throwing out F1s out there, untested F1s, that uh, it, it's very discouraging. I think it's good to know there's still a lot of quality breeders out there doing some testing before they throw out their genetics yeah that's it do you know what? It, it like i'm i'm always stuck with space but like you know um a lot of these the breeders in america i'm seeing that got huge amounts of space for them just to pop a few seeds and do a test it takes it takes no time um you you just gotta make sure after you've made your seeds three months of, of testing is what you really need to do minimum isn't it um i think like back in the day we we, we spent a little bit more time on things as well we'd take a year before we'd even release something um everything seems to have sped up a little bit at the moment um so yeah So, uh, how many strains would you say you you, know, you put forth so far? How many lines have you worked? Ooh, 
how many things I've actually made. Uh, hundreds. Yeah, I can't. I can't even. I, I, yeah, it's got. It's got to be hundreds. Easier. Um, but like, how many things I've actually released? Um, I'm going to say probably about sixty lines. I probably released to the public. So the male of a, the male part of the breeding is very important. Under underestimated or not talked about as much. How important do you do you feel the male is to breeding? And what is your selection process like for your breed for your males? Yeah. Um like it depends what you're going for in your breeding project um so i'd say like a male that's not so dominant in a cross works quite well that's probably like like very similar to the lilt male that i've just used now and my jungle kush male that i used in the past um where they're not so dominant in the cross but the cross comes out very similar to the mother plant more than anything. Um, the male probably adds a little bit of its maybe growth pattern and resin, but the actual smell, taste, um, and main thing about the female plant that it's been crossed with is what the offspring come out like. Um, so it'd be like, a, yeah, and not not dominant a male that's not dominant in the cross. Um, whereas other males, you might be like, um, you might want that male to be dominant in the cross to add something to the female. Or it all depends on what you're actually breeding for, I suppose. So do you flower out your males? I mean, how long of a process is it for you to find them? I mean, do you actually flower one out, uh, flower them out and then pick, or do you just have that gut feeling, you know, just from structure and years of experience? That's that's my guy. Yeah, like, um, see, see I, my main thing about selecting a male is I've, I've got to have grown at least a set amount of numbers of, of the female plants from that same generation. So once I've been able to see what the females are like, if there's a good, um, it's, it's a stable line and all the females are coming out, it's like very similar to each other. And I know that male is going to be much like the females. Um, so that that's one of the main things um, I'd say, yeah. So basically, because I'm I'm fixing to you know throw another strain together. It's been a minute, but in, the, in my strain, in my male process, so uh, I should be looking for something that has good structure. I mean, the best structure possible out of whatever males. That yeah, I like and you know how am I going to actually, you know, as far as trichome production. Can I see that in beds or will I have to flower him out? No, you, know, flower you need to see that as well. Yeah, you need to flower out the male fully. 
to get the where it's producing the resin that comes much later i find um but what i'm noticing like um those um males with more resin are much more dominant in the cross um so it all depends again what you what you want to select for but um flowering out your males fully is is a must um i'm just doing a selection at the moment um but um this is the for the new cherry spice line um and but I already know what I'm looking for. So I've been able to get rid of most males before I flowered them out just on growth pattern. Um, so I'm selecting for the more shorter indica type males. So any males that's not showing those signs are getting rid of straight away. So I, I know what I'm looking for there. Um, but yeah, flowering out your males fully is, is always good. Um, so the ones that I've selected now are getting flowered out fully. Um, and then I've already taken clones off everything. So whichever male is the final selection um, is will be the clone that I use and keep. You know, uh, some always told me that uh, your, your last male to show would be your most uh, neurotic or most strongest male any thoughts on that yes well that's what i've actually done for this round so this male i've just selected is 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 the last male to show it's it's sign yeah um, and last drop in pollen as well yeah um but it was the number one plant from the beginning from seed as well um and it was the shortest plant and it's a very sort of indica structure. So there's been certain point, uh, certain reasons why I picked that male. Um, the, the earlier pollen, I think droppers would have been bad, but with the genetics that we're using nowadays, I don't think that's the case so much. Eh? I think in a field back in the day of land race type ones, um, if you were using those early dropping ones yeah i think no, they wouldn't have been the plants but i think with the plants that we're working with nowadays um it's not necessarily the case um but it's something that i do with a lot of my selections in the past and present no i've so I'm a little bit curious on the other side of things. If say you were looking for a female, if your notes are that tight, um, I've heard a lot lately as far as like seeds popping. That first one to pop, you know, would be the most suited for that environment. Any thoughts on that? And if you know if that'd be the case, you know, would that be something in your notes that uh, you may lean on later on? as a, a, you know, a, a good phenotype. And, you know, with that being said, too, uh, a, a lot of ones I've grown out have been some of that misfits, the last to pop, you know, the one I had to baby a minute, but it turned out the second round, she snapped out of it, and, you know, to be killer. Do you ever, do you ever coach any of those along, I guess? So is there any, any thought to, you know, first and last to be popped? Yeah, like um, 
I'm I'm taking notes from from the very beginning. So once I I start the seeds, I'll start taking notes. Which plants pop first goes down, um, and they tend to be the most vigorous plants as well. Um, so yeah, they they tend to be the plants that I do sometimes mark with a little X. Um, I'll just put a little X next to their tag. Um, just knowing that those are the ones that I selected right at the beginning at the seeding stage. And at the end of the selection, there's a high percentage of the ones that I've marked with X from the beginning tend to be in the final selection. So, yeah, um, those vigorous first popping females uh, are tend to be good 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 breeding plants yeah so what are some of your personal favorites as traits i know it's hard to match the masses but what are some of the the, the traits that you enjoy about cannabis there there's some in particular turf profiles sounds like some gas in there you know since you're a fan of yeah. the sour tea i'm sure terpene. there's people there yeah terpenes are definitely um up there with my my main part of my selection um but like growth pattern and things like this do come into it like if if you walk into the room and there's like certain plants that i look at i'm like okay that that plant there looks really nice do you know what i mean um a certain leaf structure i do select for that as well so like the the rian um that one is it just has a certain look to it it's almost like a, a much taller um, indica, but it has like a really fat stem on it and um, these fat um, but very pronounced spikes to the leaf. Um, and it just looks a certain way. Um, it stands out in the room. Um, so that was the reason I selected that plant. Um, but the final product is really nice as well, such as strong stone really nice resin content um but yeah so growth pattern will come into it um speed of flowering um that can play a role as well um i try to have plants that don't go over a certain time but there's a few there that are longer flowering but those quicker flowering plants are always nicer um yeah what else but yeah, flavor, flavor is definitely my main thing. So each one of my mothers tastes and smells quite different. Um, so yeah, that's that's part of my main breeding. I'm a little curious too about uh, the time to introduce the male, you know, both inside and outside. Is uh, is that the same? Would you introduce the male both at the same time? At the your uh, your females were outdoors would and I guess would in that part of the question are you just letting them grow naturally out there and see each other or are you dragging a male out there at a certain time and you know let the process start like that yeah no I'll if I'm do if I do a cross outside I'll let the male naturally with the female at the same time um and let her do the, do, do its pollination but i'll probably leave in there a much longer period of time i'll probably leave in there maybe three or four weeks 
Um, whereas indoors, I wouldn't leave a male in that long. Um, I'd probably do two main pollinations with the male. Um, whereas I'll leave the male in there, maybe give him a tap and shake maybe twice over the period of like one, one to two weeks. And then I remove him then indoors. Um, whereas outdoors, I leave him there much longer. And I guess that is, that's the same question applies for indoors. Are you introducing the male at the same time or are you throwing him in a couple of weeks later? Uh, that all depends on genetics again. Um, the, the, the timing to get that right. Um, but yeah, like the male can go in pretty much the same time as the females indoors as well. Maybe put him in um, a week after. Um, but yeah, um, it all depends again, how long your, when the, your male starts to drop. So you don't want him dropping too early. If he's an early dropping male, then maybe put the females in before. So it's a little balance there. That's it. So out of all the strains that you've kind of worked with through the years, uh, which are some of the ones that are stood stood out, and is there any other ones that you know you wish you had to work with today? Yeah, um, the something that I missed from the past is definitely the crowberry. I was like, I, I missed that plant. That was a really nice plant. Um, what else? Um, yeah, no, but then from from the the new lines, um, I think I really like the uh, Shiva stash. Um, that's one of my favourite lines. Um, I'm just working that a little bit more at the moment to make some new crosses. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, how I see I'm looking at some of the new uh, stock there. That pineapple, I'm, how pineapple is that pineapple? I'm curious. I, uh, I grew out that pineapple express. Well, it seems like 10 years ago now, I want to say. And uh, that one came and went all too quick, but it was a favorite while it was here. So how's, how's the pineapple that you got over there? Yeah, um, what I'll have to do, I'll send you some seeds of the pineapple gummy. And then you could tell me what you think. But what it, it's, it's definitely the most tropical smelling and tasting plant I've ever come across. It's like a mix of pineapple and passion fruit, tropical juice. So it has that fruit, sugary passion fruit tropical side to it but it's overpowering with pineapple yeah um we used to have these pineapple sweets like uh pineapple cubes um and it's like like that basically it's like a strong pineapple tropical juice um like sometimes you get like a um, mixed uh, tropical juice in big like containers 
it just reminds me of that when you open it. Hey there, are you back? I am. Thank you for bearing with me here. A little technical difficulty. I knew I couldn't get through an amazing I appreciate you being patient, my friend. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, all good. Good, good. So, um, trying to remember, it got a little squirreled in the drop there. Oh, we're talking about that amazing pineapple there. There. Uh, so, how how big of a key factor is uh? plant structure when you, you're looking for your females there or picking out strains? Uh, yeah, again, it all depends like on the line, but like the um, the the pineapple gummy and things like that and the lilt and things, those ones um, have um, a tight, more sativa type structure. Um, Whereas I'll say the cherry spice is much more on that indica, what we what people typically know as indica, um, fat leaf type with um, a much more cookie type uh, structure to the nugs. So it all depends on which lines. Um, so, but bag bag appeal. They tend to all have good bag appeal. If people look on my page on Instagram, you can you get to see a good representation of all my different lines, and you can see the different bud structures between them. Um, so yeah, but that plays a big role in selecting. Final selection comes down to this. So when you've got the nugs and you're trying them all and smoking them all, and which ones stand out when you look at them. So you try and find one that has it both. The only plant that I have that I, I say wouldn't stand out compared to other things is the sour neo. Um, it's much more like sativary. The bud structure is not super solid at all, but the flavor is like some of the best stuff that I have here. Yeah. 
it's definitely one that I always go back to. So uh, with that being said, I can't help but wonder uh, how big of a flower or how big of a factor is flower time in your breeding as far as are you keeping that in mind for like the end game as far as what people are going to want? Because, you know, that's a that's a funny thing. I don't think people are patient enough in flowering time. You know, there's some great strains out there that you can get in 50, 56, 65 days. But, man, some of the fire strains are really the longer flowering time strains. So how do you, you know, juggle that and keep everybody happy yeah i'm gonna say like most of my older lines and that were always like a little bit longer flower more towards like 10 11 weeks um some of the sour crosses that i did they were around that sort of length of time um as i've come to use the lil that's sped up a little things. The mandarina lines were a little bit longer. The jungle kush lines um, weren't too bad. They all came out like around nine, ten week mark. But some of the lilt lines, I've got some of them to come out really quick. So the lilt crossed with the skittles came out super, super fast, which is the opal fruits. Um, and the kaifi which I crossed with the Lil, and I also crossed the Kaifi with the Soulmate. The Soulmate Kaifi was uh, Raspberry Soul, and the um, Lil's uh, Kaifi was the Pineapple Incense. And both of them came out super fast, super quick. They're like done in like seven weeks, eight weeks, max. Um, so they've come out really nice um but then a lot of the other ones are around more around like nine ten week mark i think some of the tropical rose went to like 11 weeks um one of my friends did one i think that was about 85 days in the end something like this 90 days yeah but the new lines i'm working with now which will be the uh more indica type lines that i'm going to be releasing those ones i'm going to be selecting totally for all the fast flowering plants so those lines those new lines will be super short super quick flowering um which will be a little bit different to all my other ones which i'd say i'm i'm more on the sativa uh hybrid side of things How do you suggest or how do you like to see your flowers, your strings harvested? Uh, do you, you know, would you tell people that are growing your strings to, to harvest closer to the cloudy, clear cloudy or cloudy amber? Or in my opinion, you know, I find most of my cannabis, I like to let it go the distance. I like that final week, a little bit more amber to get that final swell out of it. I don't think people are you know, patient enough to get that natural swell density from the plant that uh, comes a little bit later. So how do you suggest, you know, they, they yeah. harvest? I, I like, me personally, 
Um, I tell them like depending on what they want from the bud, what type of high they want, um, do they want to get as much weight from it as possible? I find the longer you push the plant out, you can sometimes lose that that that, that terpene profile where it gives it a little bit more of a sweet taste um, and it becomes a little bit more hashy. So it depends what you're picking for. But I like to have it where everything starts to go nice and milky, the trichomes. And as soon as I start to see a few amber ones, that plant's coming down. Um, whereas if someone doesn't mind losing a little bit of the uh, flavour, but gets a little bit more strong high from it, and um, a little bit more weight, we'll say, uh, push it out a little bit longer, um, let a few more amber heads in there, and then half it, harvest it. Good advice, good advice. What is your in particular preference there? Yeah, I pick, I pick as, soon as, I, as soon as I see those ambers, it's coming down peak for me. So I retain that really nice sweetness from the terpenes and nothing starts to degrade at all. Um, so, yeah, that's my way. I like to chop the plants and pretty much hang them as full plants, take off maybe a few of the fan leaves, do a really slow dry. Um, yeah, that's how I do it. So as I'm, you know, start speaking with you here, I can't help but think about, uh, and we're talking about, you know, perfect time to pick for peak, perfect or peak flavor. And now you throw in, you know, the thought of sure on top of that. Uh, do you lose, you know, is that something that seems, that seems a funny juggle there, you know? Uh, do you pick early and then try to change that flavor or you know, increase it through a long-term curing? Or, you know, as we're talking here, it's the peak flavor, you know, cloudy with a little bit of amber and then smoked as fresh as you can get it for peak flavor? Or is that peak flavor coming out in a, in a cure? And then if that's the case, are you yeah, closer to the and cure if you just let it go i don't yeah know. i think as long as you uh keep your temperatures really cool while you're drying um it will reduce that de degrade uh degrade uh, so it won't degrade too much if you know what i mean um so we're saying about yeah the longer you leave it up the thc starts to degrade so you're saying the longer you dry it it can degrade as well um, but I'm going to say if you if you keep those temperatures low, um, then it can be okay. Um, and I find anyway, especially growing organic and that, I think a lot of those flavors come out much later. Yeah, after it's had a good dry and been put in the jar and left to cure for a little bit, that's when everything comes around. Yeah, really tastes amazing, and that's what I find with the organic. Um, Whereas in cocoa and uh, more of a hydro type things, those things I think taste better at the beginning and can lose it quite quickly. Uh, whereas organic, I find it really retains it and as it cures, it gets almost better. 
I appreciate that perspective. I've never even considered that, you know, hostility, but I could, I could see that. I could really, you know, now that you kind of shine a little light on it, I can see that. I can see that. No, like once I, I've, I've had my mothers for some time, so I've got to see them in cocoa and organics and stuff like this. And always, every time um, I try the organic flour, it just cures so nice and it doesn't lose its um, its sweetness and the, the gooiness of the THC. Whereas I find a lot of the mineral stuff, after a set amount of time, it just it goes quite bland. So, do you want to walk me through your uh, your harvesting process there, if you would? Yeah, like, well, I literally uh, chop the plants at the base and um, hang those plants up and just take off the, uh, the main big fan leaves, let that dry for around two weeks, um, 10 days to two weeks. And then I take it off all the branches um, and I'll leave it for maybe like another few more days. Then that, that then it'll go into a jar. Um, once it's been left in the jar for 24 hours, I'll open up the jar um, and let any moisture that's come from the center of the buds back out. Um, let that evaporate out of the jar for an, uh, with the lid off uh, in a room with a dehumidifier. Um, so it's keeping that humidity down and then close that jar off and keep it in a super cool place like a cool cupboard or a refrigerator somewhere dark out of the light um, that's the best way you, know, you can um, yeah, store your flower well um, I'm, I want to pick your thoughts I see a uh, question in chat I'll get to Oh, uh, but uh, I've got to. I'm curious uh, to the whole penny uh, dry thing. There, I've got, I've got a few thoughts on. So, what do you think the benefits are actually about the whole? You know, cut it at the base and hang. Uh, what are what are the benefits of that versus you know me uh, taking the plant? wet trimming it up and like hanging it you know in branch still on branches but nothing, hanging nothing. It and I, I, I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of difference yet it's just a particular way that i do it i used to do it exactly how you just said it there and some of my friends still do it that way they just can't be bothered they're like dry trim no way it's much easier just to do a fresh trim and hang it up in little branches on the lines and I don't think there's going to be much difference. It's just a particular way that I do it. I think if we actually got a bud from the two plants, same clones, and one we fresh trim and hang it, and the other we don't, I think the buds at the end, if you tested them, would be exactly the same. Hmm. I, you know, I would <laughs> think uh, that to be true, to be honest with you. But then again, as I'm learning more and more about a, you know, basically plant science, I kind of I question things a little bit like that as well. And I, you know, I the drying process all the way. I I honestly prefer. Um, 
a nerve dryer. I, you know, Meyer sell machines I use. I'm not, uh, this isn't a commercial for that. I just, we're talking drying. And I like that process. I think, uh, I've talked to some people about this as well. I almost think, and it sounds counterproductive to what we've always been taught, but if the drying environment is right, I almost think it's, it saves a lot of turps to dry them because, you know, they wear off, you know, they're, as more they're exposed to air, the more we're losing it. So it just kind of makes sense if we could dry it faster and put it in a jar, the more we could save the turks, to be honest with you. So that's, and but that's not here nor there. I'm kind of wondering the other way because I've always heard, you know, that plant hang, you know, chop it upside down, you know, it's, Two, two reasons for that. And one, I can see, you know, leaving fan leaves on versus leaving, leaving them, taking them off. Uh, environmental control. You know what I mean? You're actually in an over-dry environment, leaving on some of them leaves for moisture purposes. But I think it gets a little deeper than that, to be honest with you. I, uh, I think it's uh, not just, you know, the leaves coming down surrounding the, the buds and holding the terpenes in. I think it's more of a, a battery type uh, effect. Like when the plant's growing, you know, those leaves store nutrients in water. So I think that plays a role actually in the hang dry process versus, you know, the wet trim. I think there's a little bit of it will be a little bit of difference there because just like when you cut a rose, you put it in a vase, it's still going for a few days. As long as it's getting those that water and nutrients, it's still kicking, it's still trying. And I think when we wet trim and you know, cut everything off it, she's dying and going through that dry process way quicker to where I think when we're we cut it at the base and just let it, you know, everything hold over on her, there's more water nutrients and you know she's kicking for a little bit longer maybe even going through a slightly different chemical process towards the end maybe putting out some more turps or something yeah you could even you could even say that a, a wet trim compared to a dry trim when you dry trimming much more resin will fall off the plant no? yeah the, so yeah. when you're wet trimming the trichomes are at a stage where the heads aren't going to fall off those trichomes very easy. Whereas once it's dry, those trichomes, those trichome heads become a little bit more brittle and can break off and fall off much more easy. So some of my friends don't like to dry trim. They reckon they lose more trichomes. I can see that. I can see that. I don't like to dry trim. I'm not a fan of the dry trim. I and you know I think that's to to do with my ash to agree reasons. You know I've always used my trim for my bubble and I've always found my bubble to be better if I wet trim. Yeah, do you know what I do though? I have like a big screen, like so I trim over the screen. So at the end, once I remove the screen, I have a nice amount of sieved hash, and then. Same with like if I do a seed harvest, every every plant will be 
uh, I collect the seeds over a screen again, and then each one of my plants will be sift, and I can see the resin off each plant. But I think that's another part of my selection as well, see which plants produce nicest resin. With, uh, with a name like Trichome Jungle, I would think that's that's part of the... That's the it. That's, that's, that's how it's... Uh, the name sort of did come about through that type of thing, isn't it? So I was thinking glandular trichome seeds and then it just trichome jungle seeds. So, um, yeah, I stuck with that name in the end, but it was to do with um, strains that would be good for making hash. Um, so all those... Uh, more um, alcohol-soluble terpenes, those ones when you make the bubble, you don't lose anything in the water, basically. So has flour production or the, the, the demand for flour over there changed that a little bit? For Because, you know, like you said, it was it, humble beginnings for hash, and we kind of bred strange for hash in the beginning, but has it changed in at all any as more and more flowers being sold over there is, you know, yeah, I think if you, yeah, I think if you breed strains for good extract and hash, um, they tend to make good strains for smoking in flour. It's not always the case. Some things do smoke better in flour, but I think in general, um, you're selecting for, yeah, good terpenes that come through well in hashish. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to, because there is a difference in my opinion. I'm sure it might make a few people mad with this statement, but, you know, like... The no, purple, there's some things that smoke much better in flour compared to extracture. The, it, well, the purples in general, in my, in my opinion, they're, they're a, it's a beautiful flower. You know, smells good, doesn't make great extracts at all, and in my opinion, isn't the strongest. But it doesn't have beautiful bag appeal. Is it? You know, it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So in that case, you know, breeding for just flower and beauty of the flower is, you know, a key factor, and I think that's true for a lot, man. So. Are some of the more beautiful flowers, in your opinion, uh, also great extracts? Or is it just, you know, straight up trichrome production that makes, you know, the better hat? No, some of the things that just don't have super trichrome sometimes, but have a very unique terpene, will make some amazing hash. So it all depends. Um, but again, yeah. All depends on genetics. Um, yeah. So I guess does has that ever just coming straight out of play, into play? You know, sometimes uh, the prettiest flowers aren't all necessarily the strongest. But has it? Have you had some that's made the menu because it was just a drop dead yeah, gorgeous the, the, flower? The, Oh no, the, the sour neo that made it because it was just a special flavor, but, but for the look of it, it didn't make it. But then the kaifi had a really special look to it, 
but some of the some of the females were not the strongest on flavour. So I picked the best one, the one that had the best flavour. But the look of it was absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, but the sour neo, the total opposite. It had a amazing flavour, but just didn't look very good. That was my next question. There is there ever been some that made the the menu that were obviously yeah I know this looks like lettuce but you've got to have this trust me you <laughs> you gotta have this type thing that's made the menu yeah the sour neo and that like um the that that's available like there's some a few clubs. Um, so in Spain, you have social clubs that you can go to and buy uh, uh, flour, uh, smoke it in the club. Um, so there's places in Tenerife and they're growing out with the sour neo, my original one. Um, and they all love it. They absolutely love it. But even though it just doesn't have that look, people still come back and buy it just for the pure flavor and high. It's just so strong and so full of flavor. It's just the perfect plant almost, yeah. If it had the looks, then it would be the perfect plant. Again, I can't help but wonder, uh, do you ever just blend, you know what I mean, in like a cannabis crowd and be past some of your flower and be like, yeah, 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 you got to try this and be like, yeah, yeah I've read that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just see somebody just giving you shit big ups and, you know, yeah. That's me. Yeah. Um, the Spanabis in Spain is always a good event, but we've uh, missed out on it for two years now because uh, because of the whole lockdown and coronavirus and whatever other bullshit that's going on. So, yeah, no Spanabis, but I'd definitely advise to um, <clears throat> check that out. It's a really, really good event. It's, it's absolutely huge. At this point, I would think it's one of the biggest events in cannabis, isn't it? I would think. I think Europe, so. I mean, I've never <clears throat> been, but I want to. Yeah. In Europe, it's probably the biggest, biggest in Europe. Um, and it's just the fact that you've got so many clubs in such a small area in Barcelona that you have so many different little events going on after the Spanabis as well. <coughs> What's one of the more bigger um, events in Amer in USA? Mm. I want to say uh, Emerald Cup stands out for me, you know, because uh, it's you know, not a, as commercial. Uh, of course, you have High Times did lead the way for a while, but as of late, man, because of the, their corporate stance and the way they're throwing it out, I, I lost a lot of respect for a lot of the cups. The well, the value of the cup itself, I guess, versus the event itself. I'd still go to their event reluctantly. I, I would think if there was another one going, I'd probably go to the, the more local but if they were the, <laughs> the only event going, I would go just because I love the community and I love hanging out with the community flat out. But I've lost a lot of respect for high times in 
Yeah, at one point the High Times was 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 a good event. Um, it's still a good event because because everybody goes to it. It is a good um, meeting point to see everybody that you haven't seen for so long. I used to go to like the High Times in Amsterdam, but it lost its it's like it's it's um, how it was at the beginning. Um, it became more of just um, a money making event. But it was still um, a, a good, good event to go to to see everybody and meet up once a year. And that's the way it's been around here the last few years. I don't know why that's changed, to be honest with you. But man, the last few years they could be just COVID. You know what I mean? You know, times. That's just what's been available, and you're grateful for what's available. But it seems like to me, man, these the smaller, more local events have been the better, better time, more laid back. You know, you don't feel this rush, rush. To me, you know, I don't need somebody you know, rushing out, fucking wearing next to nothing. Try my brain, try this. That doesn't make the event for me. I mean, to being able to sit down with some friends and actually pull up some lawn smoke some cannabis, wander around and talk to some vendors and try their product right then and there, go sit back down on the blanket with some friends. Hey, just go try back that stuff back there. That's more fun to me than, yeah. you know, not even being able to talk to the friends I'm bumping into because they've got that, <laughs> you know, that, that it's fun, but it's not fun. You know what I'm saying? So the local events, smaller guy events have been a lot more fun for me. So I hope to see more of those this year to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm just I, I I'm looking forward to the next um event in Spain. It's been so long now. I, I haven't seen like you know the normal people that you get to see every year. It's been yeah it's it's been the last one I went to but it got cancelled straight away. And then this year Nothing this year. So, yeah, missed out on two years now. Um, I've heard there's going to be um, a good event in the UK, this product there. Um, so I might try out, try and go back for that. But it will depend, see how things go. I'd say this. Uh, one thing I am grateful for on the larger events, and that is the opportunity to uh, meet great folks like yourself. You know, you don't get as much of that at the smaller events. You get to meet some local breeders, but there's only so many, you know, per area that come to them events to where high times you get to see a lot more breeders. And that's actually when I like to buy. If I'm in an out-of-pocket version seeds, a lot of times... It's at the events. I hate to say that because I like the one-on-one, -on -one, hopefully, with the breeder, the team. Usually it's the team. You know what I mean? A lot of people that know what's going on are passionate about what they're doing. Uh, and that's what I like to see. You know, I go from booth to booth, and, you know, I don't necessarily make my choices unless something stands out right away. I kind of step back and go, okay, I talked to these that dude right back there was a super 
stoked about this. You know what I mean? I can see the yeah. fire, so I think I'm going to go back and pick that up. To where you can't get that in any other place. You don't get that from your you know, online purchases. There's a lot of guys out there, great people like yourselves that do take time to answer DMs and all that, but it's not the same as, you know, that one-on-one. It's that, that human interaction that we're talking about. You know, that there's something to be said about that in the sales world. So that's where I, I if I'm going to, if I buy seeds, that's, that's usually when I buy seeds, it's one on one for that reason. Yeah. So uh, that, that's, that, that's what I noticed with a lot of the um, high times, um, people would come there. Amsterdam just to get their seeds. Is that where you send a lot of more, sell a lot of more of your product as the events, or do you find a lot of your stuff is more uh, online, word of mouth? Yeah, no, I don't really tend to do events. Um, the Spanabis, um, I've shared a booth with someone where I've just jumped on with them. But um, normally I don't do the events. I just go there just so I can just chill out and meet people and have a little bit more of a relaxed time. I find events can be too much sometimes. You don't even get time to talk to people just because there's so many people there. Yes, that is very true. Very true. I've done a few myself. I actually was uh, one of Sub's reps of Michigan rap oh, for a while here. And yeah, events can be very strenuous. Uh, you'd be lucky to leave your booth for any reason, much less have a good conversation throughout the day. And by the time it's all said and done, you usually don't want to have a conversation because you're whooped. <laughs> Just flat out whooped. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so what's, uh, What's some of the stuff you're most excited about currently? You know, I see a lot of good stuff on your menu, but uh, what's some of your shining stars right now, you'd say? I know one person in the American ones, like, Ed told me one time, that's almost like asking a parent what's one of your favorite kids. But, yeah. Unfortunately, there's something. But no, <laughs> there's always from, something. The, from the new lines, uh, I'm liking the... Uh, Pineapple gummy, that's really, really, really nice. Um, and then also the tropical cherry, very similar to like a cherry spice type thing. Um, that one's really nice. Um, I think what else? Um, um, oh yeah, the sour fusion from the sacred selection. Really enjoyed that one. Um. Uh, what else from, from the new things uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the results from all these new feminized so looking forward to that um, and seeing which ones are going to come out the, the best from those lines um, man it's uh, a tropical rose it's beautiful man it's yeah. pretty talk about pretty flowers that's a pretty flower Nah, Tropical Rose is a really nice one as well. There's some 
special plants to be found in those seeds. Um, I only released a, sh a small amount of them as well, um, but my one of my friends just grew them out, and yeah, everyone was really special. But there's a couple that stood out from the crowd. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of pictures on my page. There's one there. I think you must have just looked at it, the like purpley sort of plant. Yeah, that one there. That actually tastes absolutely amazing. Yeah. They're all they're all beautiful strains, man. There's another pick of the tropical rose right there. That is, ooh, that is pretty girl. It's just frosty all the way out the fucking. I wish I could share this shit. Usually I'm on my computer and I could share, but I'm on my freaking phone at the moment because of the technical difficulties. Man, that's a beautiful flower, brother. Wow. Nice job on all the strains I on. That lilt's a pretty pretty gal as well. Oh yeah, there's there's a clone of it going around the UK at the moment. There's two clones. Um but they're doing the rounds, so there's lots of people growing it out. Um, and lots of nice batch of it available in the UK. Uh, so yeah, it's nice to um, see the UK growing some uh, nice bud and taking it to the next level. The pineapple, I'm also looking now at the, the pineapple intense. Ooh, that's another pretty flower right there. I don't think I, Trichome Jungle would be a perfect uh, breeder name coming from that man that thing i don't think you could fit any more sugar on that pineapple and those incense incense my bad my pine that pineapple inside Oof. yeah nice work brother so what what have you got growing yourself at the moment oh man i got a whole mess of things some things going in some things going out Currently, um, I've been chasing down the pine chirps for a while. I've got a few tiny things in the, in the garden. Right now, one of the things I'm surprisingly excited about is uh, it was bred out and sent to me by uh, somebody uh, in the community, white feather grown. And it's a strain they call the Tiger King, just like the uh, the Netflix special there, it's out of the same town, his hometown. They're, they're both out of that town, the breeder and the Tiger King. And uh, it's it's pretty impressive, man. It's super piney. It just hits me just right when I work with the plant. You know what I mean? When I was in there, deep leafing. When I went in there, I was kind of in that little pissy mood. I'm not afraid to say not everybody has a perfect day. And I was like, I was a little worked up when I went in there. But after just a few minutes, that pine turds hit me and she took me to the right place right away. So I've got Tiger King going there. I've got uh, Six Shooter by Empire Breeding Co. Uh, Citrus uh, Explosion. I've got a few strains from uh, Empire Breeding Co. Uh, or I'm um, sorry, Med Grower One, his uh, his Primal Punch times uh, uh, the Pascati. I'm not even sure he's named that one yet. So, and a few others, two two twenty. As I think, all in all, I've got about fifteen strains floating around here. 
and uh, Columbia is a new one I'm working with for uh, from Northstar. That's kind of one of one of the main reasons I was picking your your brain a little bit about the breeding. There is uh, there was a, a gentleman that I met uh, through through the community through this adventure of the show here DOA. Uh, who was a very cool gentleman, you know, he's one that came and unfortunately passed away this last year. And uh, so we've kind of come up with the idea to do like a, a dedication strain. So we're kind of growing out a strain, we're going to cross and just kind of pass it out to the community. So I've got that going. And so I was kind of wanting to you know, pick your brains as far as a good male selection there, proper selection, there's a lot of you know, good information, but and I always love the, the breeder insight, you know what I mean, as far as male selection. And I want to put forth, you know, something decent on the first try, you know, and it, whatever gets put out there will definitely be like an F1. Don't have, you know, the idea was to actually kind of work it out further as the show goes, you know, everybody kind of pick something, maybe a female selection, send it back, you know, something like that. But uh, that was the thought. So that's going to be North Stars Columbium times uh, uh, TGA or uh, the Dank Subcools Jack Skeleton. Uh, so we're going to cross those two together, make some seeds and pass those out. I've got the Columbium and uh, Smiley's Gardens who you may or may not have heard of from uh, GR420 community videos. He's hanging out, hung out over there a few times. Great folks over there, by the way. Not watching their videos, you should be. Uh, so he's got, he's got one half, I've got one half, and we're growing them out. And male selection has yet to be done. So, you know, a little bit of advice from a professional like yourself is always more than welcome. That's kind of well, some things that's going on here in the garden. So, little bug. And that's, you say North Star. Yeah, yeah, Joel yes. from North Star Genetics. He, he yeah. worked with uh, some cool back in the day, produced a lot of stuff with him. Yeah, I, I've got, I used his um, banana hooch, which is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a cross of a couple of um, gooey breeders things with the banana kush, um, but, but I use that in a cross, um, and that's what makes the pink pineapple. So it's that crossed with the mandarina, crossed with the lilt. Ed's looking at this other one. Uh, what's it? Chemtail. Is that what you could possibly call it? Marinana? Ah, fuck that one up. Times Afghani is with the, the paint pistols on it. Man, that's an ah, yeah, that's the, that, that's the mandarina with the yeah, Afghan, yeah. The Afghan male, so I selected an Afghan male, and the male passed over pink pistol traits to the females or the female offspring. Does that uh, produce a nice pink hash as well? Um, no, it doesn't come through in the hash. The trichomes aren't purple or pink. Uh, 
sure is a pretty flower, though, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, that line definitely would be a good line to work with. Um, but it's it's because of the Afghan. Um, indoors, um, I think, can be a little bit stress on the plants. They, they much prefer being grown outdoors under the sun. Boy, this uh, cherry spice I'm looking at is fucking something quite amazing as well. Is, is that uh, cherry turps come out in that one as well? Yeah, that, it's the cherry pie. Do the names. Okay. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, brother. Uh, no, do the names good. accurately uh, describe the so Like if, if I see pineapple and cherry and you know, some of your strain names, is that a, what I'm going to expect in some of the turps? Yeah, yeah, that's what I try to do. I try to pick something that is good representation of the plant. Um, so the um, the pineapple gummy, you're going to get pineapples. The mandarina is going to smell like mandarins and oranges. Do you know what I mean? Um, the cherry spice has got that like cherry edge, but it's got this like more sort of gassy um yeah more gassy og kush type of thing with a slight cherry thing going on um so yeah that 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 one that's one of my favorites to smoke yeah yes bunch of beautiful pictures of that i dig the uh the buddha vibe and the packaging as well yeah that's that's all done by an artist called uh, Mr. Kobo, um, but he he does some amazing artwork. So he 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 does all those designs are, are his. Um, so yeah, he's got he's got an Instagram page. So definitely worth checking out. I dig. I super dig the crystal seed containers here. How cool is this? Yeah, that's it. I did them like a, like a little sort of limited release, but I did a few different types. I did some um, clear quartz. I did some amethyst ones, um, some rose quartz, and then the fluorite ones. I think the fluorite ones came out beautiful. Oh, man, that fucking, uh, that's fucking cool as fuck, to be honest with you. Hopefully you don't mind uh, the swear. <laughs> Sometimes no, I could be a, a tad vulgar, I guess. But uh man, I do I've got a thing for crystals and I, I actually have never seen something like that. And I think that is some like super cool shit. Especially I feel like uh so as I think you know, phenol selection is very particular to the grower in the space. I think a seed selection like this would be the same i would almost want to like run my hand over those crystals it's that one <laughs> i think the stones have energy just like you know everything else does and i think it would be uh, a great vibe to you know pick something up and feel its energy i think it just would add to the whole experience you know that the growing experience i'm kind of corny like that so uh, or hippie because <laughs> uh, we've, we've talked a little bit lately about adding, 
know, crystals to the soils and frequency and all that other good shit. But I think that's a, a cool tie-in right there. Super cool tie-in. I'd pay extra yeah. for something like that just because I think crystals. <laughs> I dig it. It's a super dig it. I hope to do it again. Yeah. yeah nah, because it was for the it was for the sacred selection and like I was literally I was just sat there and I had a piece of quartz and I just decided right I'm gonna drill one end of it and just started drilling it and then I was sat there and I had there was just like a piece of cork that I had from my normal packaging on the side and I put the cork in it and I was just like looking at it and I was like that would be perfect for seeds so the first prototype that I made myself. And then from that, I showed someone a design and got a load made up, basically. Um, but yeah, they, 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 they come out beautiful. I really like the rainbow fluorite. I think they came out the nicest. Um, a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, it's something that someone's going to keep after, after they take the seeds out, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's something I, I hope that uh, you do more of. Super cool. Very mem mem memorabilia. A little bit of memorabilia there. I don't know. If, you know, I'd almost plant it with the planter, put it right in the pot with the planter if I keep it. Yeah, you know, definitely have to get, get me a, an Addy uh, and I'll get you some out since you. Um, definitely. You don't have to do that, but I would take it. <laughs> you don't have to do that, but I'd most certainly take it. That's fucking awesome. Man, yeah, you definitely have some amazing work here, man. I highly suggest if you haven't uh, looked down the page, you need to get over there and check that out. And, uh, it's awesome work, awesome work. I'm genuinely impressed. So, um, uh, we're, you know, we, I, I hope that my mods are usually pretty good. You know, where are your sheets mainly available? Do, can they hit you up on the Instagram or, you know, where can they find them? This yeah, from? they can um, message me on Instagram for information, but like, uh, in, uh, USA, I've got, um, seeds here now. Um, my seeds are available there. Also, um, Genetic Supply, which is to do with uh, Northstar's got his seeds with them as well. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're a good company. Who else is there? Um, cool Beans. Um, they have my, some of my seeds. Oregon Elite Seeds as well. Um, so that's, that's on the USA side. But UK, I've got another bunch of people in the UK, people like Simply Souvenirs, Attitude Seeds, Manchester Seeds, um, yeah, a few others. That's it. So um what is what do you what does the current growth setup look like? I mean, we've heard a little bit about the you know the humble beginnings, but uh What's things looking like nowadays? Yeah, I'm using a super soil um, as my main mix, feeding just waters and teas. Um, for lighting, I'm using um, sunlight uh, LEDs. 
and I've also just got some Lux lights LEDs. So I've gone full LED now, just, uh, and so far so good. I'm really impressed with um, the results of the LEDs. Um, so yeah, that's that's my main uh, growing style and lighting is a soil organic um, teas and LED lighting at the moment. Yeah. Just kind of hit another uh, segment of good questions there with the LEDs. I mean, it's, so how how great of an impact have you seen with the LEDs in the gardens, both as far as seed production and um, the things you've noticed in your flower? I mean, that's that's something that I don't get to ask that often. Because, you know, as a grower, I can grow out strains here. And, you know, I run a multiple light system. You see the 4K set up behind me, but out there you can kind of see a glint of the LEDs. I'm sitting in a big U of 10, 10 city, if you will. But I definitely notice, you know, flower grown from this side to flower grown from that side, the LED side, you know. I'm almost starting to think is getting to be a little bit superior, a little bit more dense, definitely a bit more greasy. Uh, but that's the only things I can see, you know, from my experience. I, I don't do yeah. the breeding, you know what I mean? So have you noticed that difference in, in your flowers, you know, making that switch? Well, I, I, this is the first uh, run with them. For, so I haven't actually tried my own flower with LEDs yet. Um, so this is going to be the first run, but um, basically um, I'm seeing what you just said then. So people saying like more dense, uh, a little bit more turps from them. But the main thing for me is uh, less electricity um, for the same amount of bud. So I can get the same amount using less electricity, which means also less air conditioner because they run with no heat. So I'm saving quite a lot on electricity, but getting the same results yield-wise. You know, I like that the, the electricity thing is a double-edged sword for me. I definitely love the reduction of um, electricity, heat, all that good stuff. But it's production as well. I see it as, oh, I'm running half as much electricity, which tells me I could honestly, theoretically, run twice as many lights for the same amount I was trained prior. <laughs> so do you pull back and go, you know, restart reaping the savings or do you move forward? you know, step up and, you know, double up, I guess. Yeah, for me, um, I can only run a set amount of electricity here. Um, that's what it, I'm saying. That's yeah. So that's a perfect example. If you were limited by electricity before, and you, like, say this this 4K right here, okay? Yeah. Uh, and I've noticed this. You know, right here, I have 
30 amps in this 110. Basically, if it were 110, there would be 30 amps. This is 220, so it's more like 9, 18 amps here. You know what I mean? Now, if I switch this to LED, like, you know, over here, it's LEDs over there. That's thing 4 by 810 is now, you know, 6 amps. So, theoretically, I mean, if you had space for numbers and all of that, you could, with the same amount of electricity, you could run double the tents with the LEDs with the same amount of electricity. Or do you, like I say, just be happy for the savings that you're putting back into your wallet? So that's what I mean. It's the double-edged sword. Do you reap the savings or do you go, aha, I've got that extra power. I could step up a little bit. No, definitely. There's lots of options using them then, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so I guess that kind of foils my next question, though, because I was going to ask you if you had noticed any difference in the, the quality of seed being produced under the LED versus um, the HPS or the older style lights. Yeah. Well, same again. Um, I've been HPS up until now, so but soon, soon I'll I'll, I'll um, be able to find out if there's a, a difference in the the seeds, the amount of seeds that the plants produce or anything like this. It'd be interesting to see. Ah, I, I believe you just opened opened us up for a, a part two later on because I would I'm super super stoked to hear uh, what your findings will be like six months you know what i mean after growing under a little bit of seed production uh, i'd be more than happy to hear what you will come up with at that point i'd be i'd be super stoked to get you back to hear your findings yeah no definitely and like i said i'm just testing out all the feminized new feminized things so once these are finished the testing that that'll be a new release as well so I'll be able to um, can update you on the findings and which of the 14, 13, 14 new strains which will be released. So I'm curious to know a little bit about that as well as starting the femme line. Is that, uh, do you find that to be a great way to, uh, to like reintroduce strains that may, you know, some of the older stuff that you're, may be excited about or something that you know, people may because that's the way unfortunately shit works man I, I hate hype to be honest with you and hype unfortunately there's you know people chase hype and then the chasing hype things get forgot about so do you see you know dropping thumb lines a way to kind of hey remember this fire string now in film <laughs> you know what I mean? To bring it back into the public eye is that, you know, a great marketing ploy as well as an opportunity for breeding, you know, as well. Yeah, like, um, um, so, so what, was, what was the last bit of that question then? Uh, you know, it's a great way to, you know, make things easier for the gardener but is it a, a good marketing ploy you know to put them out as femmes or is it just a, yeah. a you know a 
no, like I think with with feminized seeds, um, that they, they they've always got a place in the market because not everybody has the opportunity to have uh, a bedroom even to grow plants out and take clones or you know veg up a set amount of plants to get rid of people are um um are stuck with maybe a small room um or a tent where they can only put maybe four plants in there so they need those plants to be feminized so i think that way of things there's always a place for feminized and that's the reason I've started to make more feminized because it opens up a new um, a new market because there's only set people that will buy regular seeds um, and then that way I get more people growing my my uh, genetics and that's why I've made the lines that I've just made in regular I've just made the exact same lines in feminized which is what I'm testing now so people can pick and choose do they want to grow the regular seeds or do they want to grow the feminized um and the price reflects that as well so i'll do 12 seeds in a regular pack or five to six seeds in a feminized pack so i that's pretty awesome i don't mean to like jump around on subjects here but unfortunately as we talk, I'm coming down your awesome pages. You probably already picked up. <laughs> uh, man, uh, so is, you know, actually like vegetable seed uh, ever going to come into trichome uh, jungle seed thing? Would that ever be like a side, side adventure producing, you know, pumpkin seeds and all that other good shit as well? I hope. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Maybe when I start doing more um, seed saving and stuff like that, I might do little um, free seeds of different, uh, some sort of different variety of vegetable with my normal seeds. Um, but yeah, it'd be something I'd like to do in the future. Um, maybe a, maybe a web page to have all sorts of different seeds available. Man, I just listened to uh, an amazing book. Uh, the Triumph of Seeds. I'm drawing a blank on the author right now, but I'm sure you can find the book. Great book, man. I never realized uh, how much was the value of seeds, you know, to be honest with you. You know, back in the day, man, that used to be seeds were more valuable at one point than gold and everything else. You know, people traveled the seed, the seeds in search of, you know, new new things, and they came back in seed form. And uh, a lot of times, certain seeds, limited seeds, were more valuable than a, a lot of stuff. And medicines are made from seeds. I thought was I never realized how many five percent of medicines today, five to ten percent of medicines today, are actually produced from chemicals that come from seeds and stuff like that and uh and again with you know so many companies like uh that produce you know gmo seeds today monsanto and shit like that i'd i'd love to see more guys like yourself putting you know heirloom type seeds back onto the market that are more quality 
stuff like that. So that's why when I seen it, I was like, man, that's pretty fucking cool. Or at least show people on how to, you know, make sustainability themselves, like you obviously are doing here. That's pretty cool, bro. Again, tip of the head to you for that. <laughs> so do you grow some Great seeds books, yourself a lot? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've been, um, my story, uh, I've been, te- I grow for a lot of stuff with seed. I used to be a, a tester for the sub school, and a lot of breeders well, up to this day have been laying off a little bit because I've just been so busy with this adventure. I've been lazing out with posts and stuff like that. And I, I laid back on posts too, which affected my testing because uh, this every day, you know, keeping everybody. I got everybody in my garden every day, so it kind of reads me out to keep things too current. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. So I laid back on the post. But yeah, man, I've been popping seeds for a very long time. And I think I'm close to popping like right around the 300 strain mark, something in that ballpark. I, you do, know, you grow, I love that, the, do you grow regular feminized? Yes, yes, I do. I, I've never really ventured down the auto trail yet. I've never been to seen anything to across the there. Although as of late, man, we this adventure meeting more people around the world and seeing how they use autos. But yeah, I do. I use thumbs. Thumbs are perfect, man. I was talking to a gentleman last night about you know him starting off late in the season, uh, and that uh, that's what he had available. To it, you know, when you start plants right now, you don't have necessarily time if you're going to put them outdoors to phenol hunt or, uh, you know, sex, I should say. I stumbled on words there. You don't have time to sex. So, you know, if you've got five, ten females, man, it's it's nice to have that guarantee, you know, if, you know, that's what you need to do. And that's how a lot of times I use the fence. I prefer. You know, the pheno selection of the, the regular seeds, but, you know, I'm limited. I, I work, I'm unfortunately limited by numbers here, and numbers play a big part of the way things go. You know, I'm constantly monitoring my numbers. So if I get that whack-a-mole spot to where, like, I've got, like, a two-plant two opening, and I'm looking to bring something in, Boy, are them thumbs nice to slide in something new. You know what I mean? That I don't have to hunt down. I'm kind of got the guaranteed two females working through. You know, who wants to take a chance on two regular seeds at that point? You know what I mean? That's that's where the thumbs fall. In. They're nice for that. So a little bit of both. A little bit of both. If I were going to order, I'd probably, you know, probably order regular form. But again, it's, it's nice to have them. So it's it's tough. And yeah, I run both. I run both. There's a need for both. I don't know. It's, that answers your question or if it doesn't. So yeah, I run both. <laughs> I guess that's a better answer. No, that's it. I'm the same. I, I, I'm, I don't, um, um, what do you call it? Um, I won't run something just because it's, it's feminized seeds. Um, I treat them both as equals, do you know what I mean? A lot of the good clones, the elite clones, came from feminized seeds anyway, so. 
But with that being said, though, I mean, we're looking cannabis. We've never stood on this craft of this of cannabis. You know what I mean? Things are changing by the day. More and more, hopefully, people are taking that growers uh, growing. And uh, I, I'd hate to see some people discouraged, you know, from the, the sexing part of cannabis. There's a lot of people, you know, that would rather start out with that guarantee. And if that's what takes them to get growing, then yay found. <laughs> yay founds, you know what I mean? But, you know, that being said, I'd rather see, I'm one of the people that like to learn lessons. I like to stumble and fall. You know what I mean? And stumble and fall on its regular seeds. If you're going to start a, uh, a long journey in cannabis, you might as well start learning lessons from the beginning. And why not start with regular seeds and bump yeah. your head, learn the process right from the beginning and get nothing but better at that. That's just me. Some people, if I were just starting out today, things may be different. I wouldn't go down the auto path, though. (laughs) I see that a lot today, too, man. A lot of new growers trying to just go down that path. I don't know if I'd start there. Yeah, you know what? The autos are quite popular here in Spain because um, people can get an early outdoor harvest using them um but i remember like the autos when they first came out they just weren't very good at all but i am actually seeing some nice looking things coming from the autos nowadays um i've even i've I've even popped a couple of autos outside this year which is something i've never grown before so it'll be interesting to see see what they come out smelling like See, and that's where I'd be tore on where to use it. You know, and before I thought, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, fill in the the areas back here in between plants, throw one in here. No, I don't think they've really got a place indoors unless you were to put a couple in your bedroom. Yeah? So you can get some flour out of your bedroom there. Because I've seen some beautiful, every, anything that I've been impressed with, I've seen outdoors, where autos outdoors. I went, wow, them things got six or seven feet. You know what I mean? I was yeah. impressed with, you know, outdoor numbers, like you said, but I've never seen anything indoors. I've been like, oh, yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> I, you know, that's the thing, too, is, you know, you, you can't clone it, you know, and that's my opinion. You know, you can't clone it. You're starting. It's money every time. I like to. I like to be able to clone. You know, it's it's we we put a lot of work into phenol hunting. You know, it's it can be a medicine. It's recreational, but it can be medicine too. And they they all affect each person differently, and the chemical makeup is different from area to area. And you know, you you know your your environment. Where it's grown, the way it hits you, all are different. So if you find that one that is truly me- medicine for you, uh, you know that's a, that chance of keeping that one cloning it forever and keeping it as medicine for you for 
as long as you need me. That's that's awesome. You know, I don't think we'll ever get to that uh, with the autos. You know, I mean, that's not even, uh, I don't think, a possibility. And even if it's a possibility, uh, you're still taxing yourself forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're still paying ever, ever for the being when, you know, FEMS or a regular plant, you can sustain yourself for a lifetime as long as you're yeah. a decent quality. No, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you, uh, are you current? It sounds like you do make uh, some nice hash with, uh, with your uh, leftovers there. So I guess this is another question too, I'd like to ask you about hash and uh, your experience. Another good uh, breeder question, I'll say. Uh, I've talked with a lot of people lately about the, the different uh, effects from a seeded bud versus, you know, sensimilia. I think there is some different effects from the cannabis smoked from a seeded bud versus that, you know, it isn't just more about weight or you know, taste. I think there's a, the flower itself goes through a different process. You know, it's putting out a lot of energy to put out seed, but I think, you know, what's left over from the flower is different. I actually think it's, when we talk about cannabis from back in the day until now, you know, there's something, the lower THC numbers, but we obviously got fucked up, you know what I mean? I think that when we look back, what's what was the difference? You know, we were smoking seeded pot back then. And I've actually talked to a few other, I talked to Kaya, he, he kind of hinted that he's noticed this difference too in the hash, you know, making hash made from Leftover from the seeded bud versus hash from the flower, you know, same strain. He's noticed, uh, and I've noticed uh, a stronger hash material from the that seeded product. Have, do you notice that at all? From you know a more stonier high from some of your uh, seeded flower versus you know, some, some the sensitivity and seed. Yeah, I find that the, the when you smoke the seeded flower, it gives you a different stone to it. It's like the THC has started to degrade much earlier, yeah, or stopped its production um, and turned into something else. Something definitely happens. It's definitely a more sedative type of stone, yeah. So with that in mind, do you, do you purposely... Uh separate for you the next step of hash making or do you mix it all together you know this is just no i try to keep each plant separate and do a little sift of each plant so then i have a little bit of sift hash from each of my plants that i pollinated Hmm. so and indoors are you uh do you just do you ever just hand pollinate or is it always just uh, let the male go in there and, uh, you know, basically die off in there? You, yeah, no, you I do. take I, keep pollen and just experiment? No, I, keep po- I do keep pollen as well, um, just just to see uh, and as a backup. But I, the males that I use, I've got the males there ready to go when I need them. 
Um, and yeah, like I said before, it's mainly two pollinations I do, and then I pull the male out. So do you, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously keep the pollen for a good backup. Is that uh, possibly how I've heard you bring talk about bringing back some strains? Is that uh, the proper way you bring back some of them strains or some a possible store pollen from back then? Yeah. Um, no, no, I've got no pollen stored from my old, older stuff. I think the oldest pollen that I've got in there is probably about a year old, year and a half. So, yeah, I don't like to keep pollen for too long in the freezer anyway. Is that... Uh... How is like uh, the future of cannabis over there? Do is uh, tissue culture uh, something you guys are seeing over there? Yeah, well, I've, I played around a little bit with tissue culture, like more like micro propagation. I got a little kit and did that um, just to sort of refresh my mother plants. Um, but I didn't really notice much difference. But it was just nice learning about the whole process. Um, so, but yeah, I'm not seeing many people really doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it in certain aspects. As far as the preservation of uh, strains, I'm super stoked about it for you guys as breeders because of, uh, I just think it, there's so much shit in the market anymore. So many people that have back crossed strains to bring them back or they you know back cross them for their own sustainability and they've gotten out of there and you know so sourdy 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 at some point it gets mucky <laughs> you know what was actually sourdy and so with that being said I'm kind of excited about tissue culture for the breeder and I'm hoping that it will slow down a lot of that need for other people's EX, other people's work, and cloud up the community with what isn't an accurate representation of the original breeder's uh, effort put forth. Because, I, you know, even for you, you know, as we talked about, you know, bringing back strains. It's, it's tough to do. I mean, you know what you look like you were looking for when you put things together, mother and father, you know, the traits, you know, the, everything that you wanted when you put forth, but it's super hard to, you know, go back and find something that was 100% and then put back something that was 100%. You know what I mean? You almost have to have, you know, something close to you know pot the seeds that you dropped of each and then you worked your selection from there to put something forth I, in my opinion to get something that was even close to the original and that's just my thoughts but uh with tissue culture that eliminates a lot of that bullshit a lot of you know recreation a lot of worry of uh holding on to things and if anything ever did get monkey you could always pull 
mother and father back out of, you know, out of the Petri dish and bam, there you guys go. There's, there's, there's your favorite strain again and back to the Petri dish. And, you know, you don't have to store as much shit. You know, I just think that's a super cool tool that you guys might have in the future. Uh, yeah, no, definitely in the future. I think it's going to be a big thing. Um, and also for sharing clones without any viruses or any uh, insects on them. I think that's going to be another way to be able to do that through the tissue culture. Um, but like you said, it would be an amazing way just to be able to keep your library um, like in cold storage just for the future instead of having mother rooms. Boy, at that point that you're talking about with clones there, I, um, I, I would be excited for that, that era of cannabis just because, you know, at that point, my clone should come with a pedigree almost. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's 100% guaranteed this is what it is. I've got my papers with it from the lab. You know what I mean? You know, it's good. You know, it's clean, it's good, it is what it is. I, I think that would be super cool that, you know, we might just be able to go out and buy, you know, pedigree clones at that point. Yeah, that's one thing we haven't got over here is anything like that. Like, no um, clone shops or anything like that. The, the growing is all a bit of a grey area, even though they have the, the clubs that um that cannabis is available at but the growing is a little bit yeah you're not meant to really grow so they get around a bit by saying that they grow for each um uh member of the club but there's no um clone shops or anything like that like austria they they actually can sell clones but they're not allowed to grow so it works a little bit different over there. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. But yeah, that would be a cool thing, like a breeder certification. This is you know, what I, 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 I chose when I put this stream for. You know what I mean? Guaranteed. This is what I was looking for. My my favorite phenotype. I think there would be a market for that. To be honest with you. Yeah. No, That's that would be cool. good. But yeah. So people could buy like maybe like free strains direct from you, but as a clone. Yeah. Guaranteed paper. <laughs> I think that'd be cool stuff. Uh so is there some uh other than the you know the new strains out on the market uh that you have on your Instagram where there's some uh, new releases that they should be keeping their eye out for or some limited. Is uh, the limited market something you work as well? Yeah, do you know what? I find most of my lines are quite limited anyway. Uh, every time I do a drop, there'll be some in there that will be limited that I'm not going to be re remaking. So I do that anyway, but I'm not like big on, oh, this is limited. Do you know what I mean? Um it just, yeah, I just drop it eventually. Um, but um, I think things to watch out for are all my new feminized things that will be coming out soon. And the new Lilt and the new Cherry Spice. 
I think people are already waiting for them anyway. But just keep an eye out for uh, all the sacred selections in um, in the feminized lines. So uh, I think I asked you this a little bit, but what are your favorite terps currently? I mean, as we grow, have you produced something uh, yourself or is there something out on the market that's got your, uh, is the apple of your eye right now? And what is, what is that profile? Yeah, no, I really like um, the tropical soul. I'm really enjoying at the moment. Um, but like, my personal favorite fla favorite flavors are mm, the cherry spice, um, the Shiva stash, the hundred hand slap. The hundred hand slap is super special. It's like it's like a gassy uh, rose water. So it has this rose water turp, and it's like oh, it reminds me of these like raspberry rose water sweets I used to get, and it has this perfect rose water to but mixed with this gas and it's just like so amazing to smoke and any of my friends that grow it it's like their favorite to smoke so that one always stands out for me um so and i think i prefer the more gassy sort of stuff in the daytime i'll smoke more of the like mandarina and the lilt type things those more fruity type strains but in the evening time yeah, I'm smoking uh, some cherry spice or hundred and slap, something like that. Do you do you grow outside at all yeah. yourself? No, unfortunately not. I've been I've been stuck indoors for many years. I've tried a couple of times, like just a quick, more or less. Anything I put outdoors has been an effort to save something or reveg something that uh, I didn't have room for. Because, like I said, numbers numbers count here. You know what I mean? I, I'm very limited. So sometimes I've been guilty of, you know, something that I didn't take the clone of. So I, but I still want, but I don't necessarily. <laughs> want to keep in my count per se have been mysteriously dropped off outside and <laughs> naturally revenged out there for somebody to come back and take cuts off at a later date uh, but not necessarily you know growing all the way through to flower <laughs> it does that make any sense but yeah that's as far as the outdoor experience goes Mother Nature can uh, heal some girls too. Quick throw outside for a minute can uh, revive some, some the health overall plant health as well. But again, not though all the way through the fall. No, that's it. It's getting to that time um, of year now where growing season will be in full swing. I'm just planting out loads of vegetables and things like that at the moment. Um, so, yeah, garden's starting to look nice. That, that, the actual sun's up now. It's, um, 
it'll be time to go and water the garden soon. Yeah. Man, I'd greatly appreciate you for getting up early over there and uh, hanging out. And what'd you say? It's like four thirty over there in showtime. Uh, yeah. Now, now it's uh, nine thirty now. Exactly. What's uh, how? What's your season like there? I mean, uh, do you have to put out some more uh, hybrids? to get a good season over there or do you stay closer to the indica side uh no we've got a good long growing season here we can even flower things up till december yeah? oh shit um so yeah we've got really really good weather most things come in around the first couple of weeks of october some of the early strains maybe end of september but um yeah, I'm, I'm not um, stuck that I have to pick just early flowering strains. So I'm quite lucky like that. Super lucky like that. Do you take advantage of that outdoor and uh, take a lot of sativas out there? Um, yeah, and I'll even put some things out later on in the year. So you can put things that you've been maybe vegging inside and then put them out late, late in the year and they'll carry on, they'll flip into flower. And yeah, so I tend to have something going right up until the end, that's it. Um, this year I might start some of the Milana Indian seeds that I brought back from India. Last year I grew a few of them and they were the last things that I harvested. So maybe uh, pop a few more of them this year, see what flavors come out of them because um, I was quite impressed with the smells, but just not the taste. It really just didn't come through to the to the final top to the final smoke. But it had the actual terpene profile there. It was almost like a lemony bubble gummy type thing. It was really nice. Do you prefer your uh, outdoor or indoor flower? Uh, I've got, I've, I really do love my outdoor flower, yeah. Um, outdoor, it's just got something. Um, I think, I think the LEDs with the super soil indoors, I think that's going to be able to compete with the outdoors. I will see you for flavor. Um, but I, I just love my outdoors. I do. Um, but indoors, when I haven't had it for a while, I do miss it and I do enjoy smoking it. You know, that's one of the things when I asked about the breeding earlier on, uh, indoor versus outdoor, I, I just, again, this, uh, this is all hypothetical. I just kind of think that, uh, you know, if I were breeding outdoors, I would have, you know, I would be putting forth the best effort of what the plant could offer versus my indoor selection. You know, because it is based on, you know, my indoor environment. I know you said that they're, they're similar, but you can't beat what the, the sun's bringing out at the plant, just like you're saying. You know, there is that difference. And I couldn't help but wonder if you're breathing outdoors, if that's captured in in the seed as well. You know what I mean? Have you captured some, some traits that you wouldn't have necessarily brought out in 
in those phenols that he would have brought out indoors during the, the breeding process. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like what well, um, I think if, if I use the same male and female indoors and the same male and female outdoors, there's no difference in the offspring from the seeds. Do you see what I mean? Um, but I think... I, I do get that. I do get that. But again, and but with the environment playing a little bit key in there, it seems like even outdoors, you know, the stresses of wind and sunnier days and stuff like that, you know, would bring out different traits, you know, yeah, I think, the, you know, I think time, could, you know, yeah, for no chance that that would have, you know, again, I'm ignorant here, so this is all a question. You don't think there's a chance that, you know, uh, even a little bit of science captured there? And even, yeah. even more so if you worked it, you know, further, you know, you kept them seeds, you know, separate for a couple of runs. You know, these are my outdoors, these are my outdoors, indoor, indoor, and then, you know, kind of side by side. I wonder, you know, you would see a little bit different in the plant at that point. Yeah, I think if you kept making your seeds outdoors and had another one kept making your seeds indoors and used different generations over time, you would see a dramatic change then, I reckon. Um, definitely. Um, but yeah, when I've done the same plants outdoors and made them indoors, just using the same clones, um, I've not noticed any difference in the offspring. Um, but what I have noticed is sometimes the outdoor plants will put a, like almost a harder seed coating or it makes a harder seed coating because of the fluctuations in temperature. I could see that. So, have you? I'm curious to know this as well. Um, have you have you found a better female to male ratio indoor versus outdoor? Um, no, but then that would be interesting to do some data on that. That would be an interesting one. That would be. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but no, I've not noticed it, but it'd be something that, um, yeah, it'd be good to do. But again, we'd, I'd have to pop really high numbers of seeds to really test that. Now, what brought that kind of question in was a while back ago, we had a conversation on a panel of like, um, different things during, um, the time of, uh, conception of the seed there played like a role. You know, heat, temperature, maybe even if they took on the pile on that night or something like that, produce a greater amount of female male seeds. Because there's been times where uh, I've gotten seeds, popped them, all male, all male, and then hear people, you know, that I can get one, one female. So I can't help but wonder if there's you know, some kind of what causes that 
that drift is it sheer bad luck that i got the you know the five five males or is the you know uh during during uh, conception there there was a difference during pollen pollen pollination excuse me there uh that made that difference you know from one batch to another where there was more males versus being female well yeah no i've had the same sort of thing happen to me but like i think if you pop seeds regular seeds and you get eight females or seven females someone somewhere is going to get seven males so it's normally 50 50 but um i've i've always i've played with the idea where heat temperature ph of soil things like this can play a role on when seeds are germinating whether they're male or female and i've always thought this is the case and by doing certain things i can increase the amount of males or females but other people will um, argue this point. So yeah, scientifically, I'm not sure, but I think the uh, the lighting hours can make an uh, effect on the amount of males and females. So I think with higher amounts of light, you get more males. And with lower light, like starting your seeds on 12 hours, just to start off with, I think you can increase the amount of females. But that's just my opinion. Oh no, there's, you know, I, I there could be something to that. I'm very torn on the subject myself because I've heard a lot of the tricks, you know, but temperature makes a difference, like you say, maybe even light. And, you know, but again, I kind of, you know, science kind of wants to tell me it's pre, pre, predetermined, at, you know, conception there. But you know, like, I don't know. I don't but know. But you can do it with, um, you could do it with chickens, can't you? By changing the temperature of the eggs, you can increase the amount of males and females. So I know that's scientifically true, but then whether it works the same with seeds, I don't know. It. That'd be uh, interesting to see some experiments on that time as well. And there's so much to be learned from this plant again you know who would have thought you know back in the day we were always told that you know it was going to hinder our ability to move forward but man i've never seen that so far man you know especially now that the growing side of things i've seen this plant do nothing but make people uh, grow you know both in the intelligence and in their ability to do other things and it's quite so different than what we were you know raised with the stigmas we were raised with, uh, what actually is true with the plant nowadays. Yeah, I think the same can be said for many other plants as well that people frown upon just because of what they contain in them, whether it's a psychedelic type of mushrooms or DMT containing uh, plants or masculine containing plants or whatever. I think um, a lot of these plants are, are here to help teach us. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I, it's nice to know that, uh, nice to see that we're getting back to uh, that type of uh, remedy for ourselves and we're becoming more and more open to uh, plant-based 
this. And I think that's where we kind of went wrong. We've been feeding ourselves with poisons for trying to cure ourselves rather than poisons for way too long. Obviously, it's not working. Yeah, that's the problem. There's just so many things that are in our lives that are just full of toxic, toxic stuff, isn't it? This is this is what we uh, they they ban plants and make these plants illegal, but plastic and pesticides is no problem. Yeah. 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 It just seems wrong to be making uh, medicines like yeah, same stuff that are. Petrol based. Aren't <laughs> the same stuff that we're running our cars on and whatnot, but we know it's bad for us. It just seems wrong. Seems yeah. wrong. And or the same or the, the same companies making drugs that used to make pesticides. You know, interesting enough is is uh it's the same nasty shit that uh, they pawn off as nutrients for us to grow with today. You know, to be honest, with it's a lot of, a lot of waste. You know, they tricked us into buying, you know, their, their uh, nuclear or uh, wartime supplies. You know, back when the World War Wars, you know, they had large supplies of nitrogen and stuff. And what they did is they tricked us into putting it in their plants instead of growing it organically. It's kind of funny how that kind of stuff works. Ah got too much of this poison we created. What do we do now with it? We have to find another another use for it. We'll sell it to them as there is. Yeah, that's it. So uh is there any is there any hopes for any events going on over there in Spain? It's you know it's a chance yeah. is there are they using talks for Spanish this year? Yeah, I've not heard of anything so far. The only things that I've heard in Europe um, is really the product earth in the UK. Um, and then I'm just waiting to hear of anything else at the moment. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Yeah, and I, I like even the product earth. I can imagine a lot of people are going to turn up. It will be a good event. But I think... A lot of people won't go to it, like people from America, if they have to travel. Um, or some of the people that just would have come to the events quite easily before and can't now. Um, so, but yeah, slowly, slowly, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. So, yeah, uh, you said that Spanibus was your biggest event. Is there any other events there? in the past that has stood out for you as you know something to check out if you were in Spain. Yeah, uh, the, well, I used to like the IC mug, which used to be um, in Holland in Amsterdam for a while, but recently got changed uh, to Barcelona. So I've always been a big fan of the IC mug cup um, and the forum as well, the IC mug forum. So, um, yeah, that was something that I always used to go to every 420. Um, so, yeah, um, but that's the same again. We haven't had that 
since the uh, start of this uh, these problems that we've had. So, uh, what would be one of your favorite uh, ingestion methods of cannabis? Are you a flower guy, or do you prefer hash still, or have uh, some of the other forms of ingestion? Hit? I mean, are you a fan of the rosin? Is that something that? Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll dab things and stuff like that, but I'm not a, a, a big person for dabbing and that. My main things is flour. Smoking flour in um, in a in a spliff, um, yeah, that's that's how I smoke. No edibles. Um, I'll have edibles sometimes, um, but yeah, I'm not big on edibles either. But I'll try and get a little bit of cannabis into my system every so often. Yeah. Why not the fan of uh, the edibles there? I'm curious. Um, too strong or not strong enough? Or no, I think it's a total different, a total different stone with the edibles. Um, for me, like if I if I eat enough edibles, it's much more like almost psychedelic a little bit. It can be a little bit trippy, but um, whereas smoking it is more um, manageable. I can get on with my day and smoke a little bit, have a few totes here and there. It just, it works for me the way I smoke it. But yeah, edibles, I think, is a good way to go. Um, smoking anything is not good, really, for your health-wise, but it's something that I enjoy doing, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the edibles myself. I just, uh, I've had a couple of really psychedelic moments with edibles, but uh, that I found enjoyable. Uh, but I don't suggest. But I, for me, it's the not necessarily the high I'm looking for. It's more of the, a phase I need to get past to get to like the vitamin kind of phase of the edible. Yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. For me, this is how edibles work. Day one, nice fucking, I can put together a nice buzz with edibles if I want to. Day two, kind of that laid back couch lock. I definitely eat another edible day two. <laughs> but it's not going to be day one kind of buzz. But more relaxed, kind of hang out around the house, watch a little TV. Day three on the edibles is more like I've developed a little bit of a tolerance, and now it's more of a, a more of all-out well-being. You know, the joints don't hurt, knees, our shoulders aren't bothering me, no back aches. I can feel like I get out there and take out the world. But it's the, it's that awkward up and then that plateau after that with the edibles after me. But you're right, if you're not, and that's, there's no great consistency with them either. I, I don't, even with, you know, labeling indica, sativa, I, I feel like they're, it's very strain dependent. And again, you know, uh, phenotype, all that good stuff plays a lot into what's going into that. I think 
uh, consistency isn't there with the other wolves at all. <laughs> as far as that goes, I don't, I can't find, you know, buy one, one product that's a sativa and it's 50 milligrams and it's going to hit me as the same product over here that's sativa and 50 milligrams because they're not, they weren't made from the same strain. They're going to hit me different. So yeah. No. This is where I think terpenes have a play a massive role here. Um, because we've got so many different plants and they, they've got such similar sort of THC readings, but such a different high to the plant. And even things with lower THC readings that hit you more than a, a higher THC plant. And this all comes down to terpenes. I think we've got a lot to learn about terpenes. For sure, for sure. And that's one thing that uh, has been taken out of selection here when you go into a, a provisioning center here now. You know, everything's pre-packaged. And if you want to know about your terpenes or anything like that, it's it's on the white paper in front of you. You know what I mean? And that's tough for people to to put in their head and go, okay, yeah, this is, this is how that works. To so where you it, can't, it was natural. You can't smell the flower. No, not really anymore. I mean, it's very limited. Back in the day, we could go, you know, you could go in, there'd be a table full of, you know, jars or whatever, and you could be like, oh, mm, yeah, mm, no, no, yeah, that one. And that's the way, it, in my opinion, it should be. That's, you know, your, your nose will tell you automatically, this is the one to where if you're reading them, it's hard for the brain to process instantly, you know, how that, how that works. You know, it's too much, it's too easy to do it by your nose. And, you know, I, ne I never even, when I was going into the provision, even today, I don't like to look at those numbers. I would rather go by look and then smell because those two right there have never let me down to where I've bought from numbers before. Oh yeah, that same. Oh yeah, that's a high number of THC, and it's like that's uh, not as good as the stuff that I know down there. It's you know, it's it's that my nose, as my nose, and my eyes very rarely let me down on what's going to work for me versus you know what's on the card. I think that's. I don't think they will ever. And, and you know, I've said this too. The only way to get over that that hump there is. To educate a lot of people and I, I would think that would only come to where if you jo you join a provisioning center if this is your first time there if you know or not then they make you sit down and like watch a 10 minute video on terpenes and how it affects you or whatever force feed it to them until it's almost instantaneous like nose in the jar you know what I mean? I know you've been to every other provisioning center in the fucking town, but this is your first time here, like it or not. You gotta sit in the box and watch the video <laughs> until it's 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 embedded that deeply. To be honest with you, it's, I don't think we're there yet. Turks watching. I wish, but no, we can't know stars. <laughs> I guess that, that was a super long answer to that question. No, we can't know stars. Not in a commercial setting, especially now with uh, 
COVID, my friend. You don't even, most days, most provisioning centers, it's been a minute since I've been, but most of them consider, consist of now either phoning in your order and what you've seen online, or you pull up into a parking lot and they hand you a menu and a crayon. And you're like, ah, I'll take that, two grams, take that, one of those. And then you hand the card, the crayon, and they take your money and they, came, they come back with a sealed product that you don't test until you get home. Yeah, see, here, um, we only have the, the social club um, way, but everywhere you get to sort of basically see it pretty much in most of them before you buy it. Um, but yeah, same sort of, same idea as Holland, basically, where you've got everything there in front of you. I'm still really hoping that um, the grow aspect of it, and that's why I want more and more people to drop seeds so we can keep the bike going. I think the provisioning centers and all that would be fine and great for the people that don't want to grow, the people that can't grow maybe for medical conditions or whatever, but it just be there so just in case, but I would much rather see people growing their own stuff. These are for, like I said, reasons for people that just don't want to grow, can't grow, or whatever. But I think if it comes down to that, where they, they take away our home grow and they provided us with nothing but provisioning centers, I think, you know, what's available to us at that point will be big corporations. It ain't going to be the hundreds of strains that we're used to that we've been spoiled with big corp big money's gonna only limit that down to a few so i think it's going to be the home growers the caregivers that keep you know the really good cannabis alive keep pushing cannabis ahead that's what i think the home grow will do again you know like i said too by taking away, the, you know, earlier on, by taking away that growing experience, they're really limiting the health benefits that come from the plant. You know, there's only so much benefits we get from smoking and taking those dabs. There's so much, I find the healing aspect of it really is right here in the garden. Spend the time putting them seeds in the dirt, spend the time with with the cultivation side of the things, I found that to be the most healing aspect of cannabis, to be honest with you. Yeah, and gardening. And vegetables, you know, I mean, there's, I'm sure you could get some of that from, you know, cultivating other plants, but cannabis has a, a different draw for some reason because maybe it is your medicine as well. I don't know what it is, but it's different. Yeah, I think just gardening in general is just very like therapeutic and just um, just beneficial for your health in that way. Like I think there's many doctors that will recommend people I'll take up some gardening, take up keeping fish, you know, things like this. So because it's very it's a therapeutic thing to do. I agree. I agree. But I 
But sadly enough, if it takes cannabis to get people there, then so be it. I mean, like you said, as time goes on, you know, things are getting easier and easier for us. We're forgetting basic skills. I mean, just look at it like people's um, ability to remember phone numbers. A lot of us, myself, man, I used to remember everybody's phone numbers that I knew. And I still remember numbers pretty well. But a lot of us, you know, what, what, what's your daughter's phone number? Um, I don't know. I got to look at my phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're, so, you know, with that being said, grocery markets put, pushing most of our foods. A lot of us have lost our interest or ability to grow things. And if it takes cannabis as a medicine or recreation to get the interest back into, you know, cultivation in general for people, so be it. So be it. Because as I know and you know, just opening that door, as you stated earlier, uh, can open you up to so many new subjects. I mean, cannabis growing, and then you open that door to organics. And then it's funny how I've seen people work backwards with, uh, with cannabis. So basically what I'm saying is they, they're seeking this knowledge you know, to grow great cannabis and then they like ventured into like the organics and then they go, oh shit, <laughs> I can be growing myself good food and sustainability and then it goes backwards from there. They start taking care of themselves last. Like, you know, it's one of the things that could have been doing for, uh, it's weird, but and it does, uh, you know, cannabis does open up a lot of doors and then, you know, cannabis cultivation opens up a lot of doors a lot of knowledge so you know i hope people do drop more and more seeds i hope this isn't one of these passing fates that they they try to take from us because like you said i've seen a lot of people grow from go from growing cannabis and again backwards to or branching out to vegetables gardens succulents you know other things and it, it, it's it's a great thing. I love this plant. I love this plant. Uh, if I come down, I'm not afraid to admit that. Uh, what, so what time how is it? Uh, no. 4 a.m. I was just getting ready to check in with you, my friend, because you said the sun was coming up and watering responsibilities were getting near. Uh, we can, uh, I might as well start the wrap up process, I guess, because I'm sure you, you have things to, to do. I forget sometimes that, you know, you're halfway around the world. Yeah, no, no. <clears throat> yeah, mate, we can, we can wrap it up, ask a few more things and then, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go about my day. Well, first and foremost, I, I want to, you know, tell you that I can't thank you enough coming out and doing this, taking time, getting up early to come hang out and uh, telling your story to both me and the uh, cannabis community. There's still 78 Watson right now. I don't know if you've been keeping up with Chad, but amazingly enough, there's still 80 people watching at 4 o'clock in the morning here in Michigan and around the world. So thank you for taking time to do that. 
And I also would like to tell you that uh, I don't know if you checked out the channel and what goes on here, but there's there's a few things that go on here. There's a spotlight episode that's that we've done tonight, and then there's uh, if <laughs> and again, I've you asked if the show was five hours long. It can be. We've done a pretty good portion of that this evening, but uh, some nights it doesn't, and nights that it doesn't, uh, I pick up and run with the wormhole, and that. The wormhole is more of a, it's opened up to past guests. It's a more panel show-ish type show. And it's open to anybody that has been on the show prior. So anytime, you know, you subscribe to the show, you see a wormhole, see a subject or some people you'd like to hang out with. Uh, this Zoom number that I gave you this evening is always the same. So you see a wormhole uh, or you know, and you'd like to, you know, jump in, smoke, put your two cents in, or just hang out, you're always welcome. You don't need an invite for any wormholes. Uh, Monday nights are always mandatory wormhole. They start at 2 a.m., so you can always think on a wormhole that evening if you'd like to plan on popping in one night. So, you know, this has been a great, great night. Hopefully, the everybody that takes part in this community reaches out and makes you very welcome. So hopefully, you come back and hang out again. Other than, you know, uh, another spotlight, I definitely would like to get you back in, in you know, a few months and, you know, find out the info on the LEDs, the changes you found out there. You do a one-on-one, -on -one, but... Uh, in between that, you know, that Zoom number is always good. You, you'd be more than welcome to hang out. Anytime you feel like getting up early and, and hanging out, you're always welcome. So please note that that Zoom number is always good for you, my friend. You, you are now a part of the community. And you can take part anytime you need like. No, thank, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's been good. You've asked some uh, good questions. I hope people uh, enjoyed the answers. Um, but yeah, anyone that come come and check out my Instagram page. Anyone that's got any questions for me, send me a message. I'm always uh, always got time to answer them. Just uh, as long as it's like a full message already with some questions, that's it. I've always make make time. They are dropping your link there in chat to your Instagram, and I highly suggest you guys get over there, take a look at that page, and give him a follow, because there are some amazing genetics he's got over there. So I suggest yourself off and uh, take a look and you know, probably get some of the genetics in your garden, because if you, it's hard not to look down that page and go, God, I need to get some of that, because you've got some amazing stuff over there. And uh, with that being said, the one thing I'd like to get before you go is uh, my soundbite. Um, basically, if you have, you don't know what the soundbite is, it's like the old radio station identification kind of thing where the artist comes on. In this case, it would be like, in my words, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 400. Uh, you can add whatever you want to that hey check me out on instagram whatever but basically this would be you know your commercial for your episode so if you could maybe hit me up with a sound bite for this episode i'd be more than grateful 
And uh, I'm ready anytime you are. Cool, cool, cool. So what, you want me to say it now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So this is uh, Tricom Jungle's Seeds with Talking Shit with Eagle. Uh, episode, what was it, 400? Yes, sir. That's it. Now, I look, look forward to coming back on again. Thank you so much for, uh, again, for hanging out. It's been a pleasure. And I know we got off to a late start, but uh, whatever, man. It was it was worth the wait. It was definitely worth the wait. So, and I, again, I look forward to hearing from you again soon. I, I can't thank you enough for hanging out. It's bought myself. Another night, another amazing night with the community and a, a great meet with somebody like yourself at the Cannabis Beauty. Hopefully someday I can make it to Spanibus and uh, meet you firsthand, my friend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a place to check out and send me an address and I'll get you some uh, seeds sent out at some point as well. And definitely not the reason I do this, but in your case, with the look down that page, it's definitely uh an offer i'm not going to refuse so i will i will send you that those digits my friend and thank you very much and uh have a great day and thank you again thanks bye have a good one i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up thank you guys for tuning in i greatly appreciate you 74 of you that are still hanging out this was a great uh, episode. Thank you, uh, GR420 Community Video, for uh, sending me a heads up on uh, getting him on the show. You guys are amazing. Again, if you guys aren't following along, great folks over there at G420 Community Videos, you are missing out, man. They're halfway across the world, world but some awfully cool folks over there for sure. But that does wrap up this episode 400, guys. Episode 400. We are just 20, 19, rather, episodes away from hopefully a 420, super fun 420 episode. We're getting there. Call out 1,000. We're at 400, 600 more to go. And then we'll see where it happens after that. But you guys know the deal. If this is the end of your journey, please get some rounds. If this is the beginning of your day and you're just hanging out with us, catching the end of this episode, thank you so much, man. It means the world to me uh, that you guys follow me through this adventure. So you guys know the deal. Random acts of kindness do save lives. Please take the time to do something nice for somebody. Doesn't have to be a major thing opening up the door, just checking in, looking at your cashier. How are you doing today? A sincere hello, how you doing can make such a difference in somebody's day. A random help with some plywood and Home Depot parking lot to an elderly gentleman, somebody that needs to help. So many little things can make a difference in somebody's life and make a huge impact. So don't be afraid to reach out and do something nice for somebody. I love you guys. Monday is a mandatory wormhole, so I will see you tomorrow night at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And hopefully, I will see you 
with some new ink on the side. Shiva will have some more shading. If everything goes right, I will see you tomorrow. Sore in the wormhole. Have a great day. Again, thank you, Tricomb Jungle Seeds, for hanging out. Man, it was an amazing episode. Have a great day, guys. I am out of here. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one.